Hey, what's going on? This is Bill Burr, and it's time for the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast. And I'm just checking in on you. Sorry. Um, what's going on? How's your week going? Is it going good? That weird, you know, depressing time between Christmas and New Year's, but then the excitement of like, oh man, I'm going to make it through the holidays without killing myself. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's always a weird week, you know? I used to like it when I was a kid. It's always a bummer, man, when Christmas was over. Is there anything more exciting than a Christmas tree with the presents around it? And equally as depressing is afterwards, you know, the tree stops getting watered. It's just sitting there like an old pop star just doing the casinos now, singing its old hits. Have a holly jolly Christmas. Thank you. It's the best time of the year. You remember? Come on. Hey, you know, sticking the mic out for the fucking high parts. Oh, ho, come on. Help me out. The mistletoe. Um. Anyway, but I decided that this week I was gonna uh, I was gonna try to sleep something I barely I don't do enough and I'm reading all of this stuff online so God knows if it's fucking correct. <laughs> I mean, you really just have to take everything that you read online. Like this has to be like everybody is just spinning it. Everybody is just spinning it. It's just all filthy fucking closers coming in like a 1970s closer. Mustard on your shirt, Vaseline on the bill of your hat. Every fucking cunt out there is just spinning. Just bullshit. The bullshit, just the bullshit of them. You know? The whole fucking, you go to somebody's... uh I don't know, one of those stupid fucking, uh, what do you call them? Their page, their site, their, their asset. I don't know. Just looking at it, just going like, is, like this looks like an ad, you know, for a hotel or something. And it's like somebody's life. It's like pictures of like the perfect breakfast. Then there's linens, working out, sunsets. <laughs> um, all right, whatever. Stop judging, Bill. I, it's what I, I make a living doing it. I've painted myself into a corner. I have to do it. Um, speaking. Oh, before I get into that, uh, getting judged and everything, before I get into that shit, let's talk. Um, me and my lovely wife um, watched this documentary on Kenny G., that I highly, highly, highly recommend. That I highly recommend. It was absolutely, uh, I loved every second of it. It was fascinating. And, um, you know, I've met him a couple times. He's a great fucking guy and a great pilot. And um, he actually was the guy that told me who to call. I think I ran into him, I swear to God, at the Hollywood Bowl I was going in to go see Vinnie Colliuta play with Herbie Hancock. There's no fucking way I was missing that, right? And uh, I 
forget, somebody that knew me knew him and was with him. And I was like, you want to meet Kenny G? I was like, fuck yeah, I want to meet Kenny G. Guy sold like 100 million records, absolutely. So I went over, and they, hey, this is Bill McGill. He's like, I know you. I've seen your thing on Blyce. I know you too. I go, you're a scratch golfer, because that's what I heard about him, whatever. And he just was the coolest fucking guy. So I said, hey, you know, I fly too. Because a buddy of mine had run into him one night um, years and years ago in some bar. I was like, hey, are you Kenny G? He said, yeah. He goes, what are you doing here? Did you play have a gig tonight? He said, nah, you know, I'm flying. Just the weather wasn't good. It was night, so I just landed here and just staying here for the night or whatever. So I remembered that he was a pilot. But anyway, he was the one that introduced me to Randy, my instructor, uh, that helped me with my instrument rating, even though it didn't work out. It hasn't worked out yet. I got to retake the test. I just got too fucking busy. Um, but anyway, I, I, you got to see this documentary. I mean, you want to talk about somebody, you know, I'll give you one little snippet of it. The guy goes on The Tonight Show. The record label wants him to play a song he doesn't want to play. He wants to play that song Songbird that he wrote. He wants to play his music. So, I don't know. Johnny goes long, and then I don't know what happened. I, I forget, basically, they say you only have time for one song. So he says, fuck it, we're playing this song. And the band's like, I don't know, man, the label's going to get pissed. And he's like, basically, don't screw me over. I'm playing this song, just do it. So he starts playing the song. And while he's on The Tonight Show, oh, sorry. The lovely Nia, everybody. I didn't know you were doing your podcast here. I, I know, I know. I usually do it in the garage, but I'm, I'm, I'm here. The garage. I'm in the middle of telling just one little snip. How great was the Kenny G documentary? Oh, my God. So good. Yeah, so the guys on The Tonight Show, which you got, you got to understand, this guy used to get like a 30 share. Like essentially a third of the friggin' houses in America were watching it. So if you bombed... You were finished. What's up, buddy? You going to bed? Huh? Can you say bye-bye? Say, you say bye-bye. bye-bye. Shaking your head no? Can you say bye-bye? Can you say cool? Cool. <laughs> say bye-bye. He's just waving. Can you say da-da? <laughs> All right. No. Okay, bye-bye. All right, love you, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye, buddy. I'll see you in the morning. Kid's hilarious. Um, so Kenny says, fuck it, I'm playing my song. So he starts playing the song, the crowd's listening. And I guess the guy that, you know, was booking the tonight show was, didn't want Kenny to play it. He was pissed and he was making all these hand gestures for him to stop playing it or whatever. Allegedly, maybe even like on the slide, giving him the finger or whatever. And the fact that he could plow through that and still just play his song. And then, then the big thing is then it turns out to be this huge hit. So a lot of the documentary um, was really inspiring because, you know, I've, you people know, if you go to do anything, put a little addition on your house, the fucking boo birds come out. Really? You know, is it going to be up to code? You're going to get a permit? I don't know, man. I heard them things leak. You know, just people just start shitting on you. And shitting on you and shitting on you. And this guy just fucking plows through all of it and gets to where he's at. It's just, it's a fucking phenomenal, it's just a phenomenal documentary at um, how people react to other people's success, how to handle success, 
how ridiculously obsessed people can become with somebody good or bad, you know, in a good way or a bad way. I mean, it was just was fucking fascinating. You got to check it out. You got to check it out. So, uh, I don't even know where we watched it. Nia, of course, found that one. She's like, you want to watch this shit? I'm like, absolutely. So anyway, um, I'm going to be in Phoenix, Arizona, um, Thursday, today. I'm going to be out there, and uh, what I usually, I, I've only done it one time. Every time I go to Arizona, I go, you know, I'm going to do that Camelback Mountain hike. I only did it one time a long time ago, and um, it was a bad, it was a big mistake, big fucking mistake. I was not in the shape I needed to be, and I had to do two shows that night at the improv, the old Tempe improv, and Jesus Christ, it wasn't even the ascent, it was coming back. Where my legs, I felt like, you know, reminded me way back in the day when I actually went skiing. I used to go skiing and that, you know, remember, you know, when you always think you got one more run in you and you don't realize that your legs are spaghetti and you get off the chairlift and basically fall back down the mountain. <laughs> At least I did. It was like one of those things. So, um, but anyway, I had a great, uh, great couple of days off and uh, I actually went flying the other day, and um, there's nothing better than flying L.A. the day after it rains. It is absolutely gorgeous, and I am convinced that those are the days when people go up in helicopters and they take pictures for postcards to try to get tourists to come out here, because that's the day when you can see, like, downtown L.A. with the snow-covered mountain in the background. It's fucking amazing. So me and a buddy of mine went flying, and I was like, let's go... uh, Let's go on the backside of the San Gabriels. That's out like, um, you know, I wanted to fly out towards Victorville, like the beginning of the Mojave Desert and everything. And we flew out that way. And, you know, there was all of these clouds literally touching the top of the San Gabriel Mountains in certain areas. You know, so we obviously stayed away from that because we can't fly into the clouds. But then there's also, you know, showing that there's a lifting force, the big cumulus clouds and all that. So we thought it was going to be a little bumpy, but we stayed away from the hills and we were fine. And um, just flew all the way out there. And I got to tell you, I kind of love flying out there because there's nobody out there. And uh, and then also, if you have an engine failure, you, you, I jokingly said, I said, hey, if I quit, where would you put it? And he just laughed because you, you put it anywhere where like, you know, when you fly the L.A. Basin, it's like, you know, you're picking a road or some fucking field or some shit. Um, usually a street. Like I always, you always think you can fit it into a field, but yeah, I, I, I don't know how the fuck you do that. Um, it always seems too small to me. And there's always trees around it. And then you'd have to come in steep. It just, just looks like it would be bad. So we, anyway, we flew out there, ended up flying to this airport called Victorville. Um, or in Victorville, I should say. And as we came in, landed on the runway 17, and as we were coming in, I just see all of these jumbo jets, jumbo, jumbo jets just parked. I guess they were all timed out, and they're just sitting there. And I'm telling you, man, there must have been 30, 40, 50 of those things. FedEx planes, Qantas, and United airplanes just sitting there. I actually took a video of it. I might post it on my Instagram. Um, 
it was pretty fucking wild. And I was just thinking, like, what do they do with those things? I kind of became uh, kind of like obsessed with that. And a buddy of mine just sent, there's a documentary this guy made of visiting those jumbo jet um, graveyards that I'm going to watch tonight. Let me see if I can get the name of it for you now that I, I might have piqued your interest here. Let's see what this fucking thing is here. Um, I'm singing chips. Um, the fuck is it? Come on, man. Oh, there it is. The Pervert's Guide to Ideology, Abandoned Plains in Mojave Desert. Oh, so that's literally where I was at. I got to watch this. It's on YouTube. Check that out um, if you get a chance. Um, so anyway, I'd like to address some of these, these uh, Buffalo Bills fans. You know, I got a couple of kids, so I haven't been looking at the standings. The level of shit that you guys have been talking and evidently, you have the same record as the Patriots. I, I don't understand this, uh, especially with the track record of your franchise. I don't understand where this confidence is, is coming from. We've played each other twice. We won the first one. You won the second one. We're nine and six. You're nine and six or whatever the fuck we are. Like, I don't, <laughs> I just don't understand. There's two games left. What if you lose the next two games and we go one and one and we win the next two games? Then what happens? For the life of me, I just don't, under I don't understand the world of shit talkers. You know? It's weird because they lose a lot, but they just, maybe, I don't know, they just keep their confidence up. Yeah, I don't understand. And also like the level of celebration over a fucking regular season win. It's like, all right, uh, you know, okay. All right. I guess uh, something happened. I mean, you won a huge game, and I love the way you guys came in and you fucking took it to us. But, like, you know, I wouldn't break all the tables out there just yet. <laughs> Bill, why are you being a killjoy? They haven't had anything to fucking cheer about since fucking Jim Kelly left. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. I just don't like, you know, I'm fucking, I guess I tease him a little bit. I don't know, I actually like the Bills. I like the Bills going back to OJ, you know? Way back in the day. Joe Cribs, Joe Ferguson, Joe DeLamular. I was a fan. Fred Smurless. From Massachusetts, by the way, I believe. At least it went to BC. I was a fan. I don't know what happened. It just, I don't know. They're real, I don't know. Maybe it's the weather. This fucking, I don't know. You know, some, every, every town has sports fans like that. Maybe that's what it is. Anyways, old Billy fucking Woodshed, though, has been going around, the, going around town putting together his new hour. Putting it together. And I have a whole mismatch of funny, unconnected, silly shit. And um, I did two shows Monday. I did one last night. And I'm going to keep working it out in Phoenix. And I think I'm going to have this hour together sooner rather than later. And um, yeah, and then I'll be ready for my tour, the brand new hour. And then my, I can put out the fucking Red Rock sink. That is the plan. That is the plan, man.
So uh, we shall see. We shall see what's happening. Um, been playing a little bit of drums, you know. Got back into like listening to like Miles Davis. Like he put out like f- like four albums in the fifties. It was like cooking with Miles, relaxing with Miles, chilling with Miles, fucking put your feet up with Miles. And I was never able to get through the records. I could just never get through them because I just, you know, my fucking hair metal background, I trying to listen to it and shit. And um, I went back and I was listening to them today and I really liked that relaxing with Miles one. And um, I don't know. I was just more into his, the shit he did in the 60s. You know, that four and more album in a silent way. Uh, I'll tell you, no, it's a fucking great album that got shit all over that he has is that On the Corner. Fucking crazy album. And they got so shit on it. I think he like, just, I think it was the last album he put out for a while to like, Two two in the early eighties, like a complete album. Then I was reading today he like retired from music in like nineteen seventy five. I'm fascinated with retiring. I'm not gonna lie to you, I just am. <laughs> like I want like after there's no, you, you can't, you can still have to do shit. You have to do, so you got to get a hobby, then you're doing that. You have to do something. You just be bored out of your fucking mind. But there is just something. If you just had enough money to keep the lights on and get a sandwich every day, can you imagine how fucking amazing that would be? Because I always find this, this time of year is fucking depressing where it's just like, You get all this shit for Christmas. There's all these empty boxes and you're filling up your recycling bin. You're going out there, you're trying to mash it down and sneak around to your neighbors, but theirs is filled up too. You're just like, what the fuck are we doing? Nia, please don't leave on this. You're going to hang, where are you going? She just came walking in. Huh? Oh, he's crying because he can hear me? Oh, shit. All right, my fault. My fault. I'll go into the closet. Oh, you've been in the closet for years, huh? All right. Do I have the ability to do anything that isn't loud in life? Do I have the ability to not disturb people? Oh, shit, this just took me back. This took me back to when I was young. I'm in the closet right now that the fucking lights are out. I forgot to put it on. I had a teacher do that to me one time. Long fucking time ago. I had a teacher fucking stick me in the closet. I was being a wise ass in class and this guy, he had some commitments, extracurricular commitments to oversee. I don't get anybody in trouble here. Um, He had some extracurricular commitments after school that took like an hour and he wanted me to stay after school, but he couldn't let the other kids down. So he had a windowless room with the closet door and he fucking locked me in there. (laughs) For like an hour. And I was such a dumb fuck. I could have demanded an A in that class if I knew how, if I understood what blackmail was. Um, That could have been a fire. But, um, yeah, it was actually kind of funny. 
And I remember telling all my friends the next day, and they were all laughing their ass off. And then I was loving it because I was getting laughs. And I didn't give a shit, you know? But if I was like today's kids, I would have been in touch with my feelings and would have been like, I just, I thought you're there to help me grow and blossom as a person. And I would have got all fucking upset about it. Instead, I was, you know, walled off with my emotions, you know? I had never died in a fire at that point in my life, so I wasn't, that wasn't on the table for me even thinking about that. So it was actually, the whole thing was kind of funny. <laughs> ah, shit. Yeah, I remember a long time ago. Jesus, almost 30 years ago, whenever I first started doing stand-up, right? I ran into this, I ran into this guy I used to work with. And I was like, hey, man, and I started talking. He's looking at me like, who the fuck? He had no fucking idea. I worked with this guy for like two straight years, and he had no fucking idea who I was. No fucking idea who I was. And then I remember like 15 years later, I was finally selling tickets and everything, and he came out to my show, and he was like, hey, man. Oh, my God. Oh, I fucking bursted out laughing. I was like, what's up? How you doing? I just fucking laughed. It shit is fucking hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah, so anyways. Yeah, that dude. Uh, yeah, man, there was all kinds of shit like that when I was fucking coming up that just fucking happened that the teachers just could just, you know, they kept you in line back then. <laughs> thinking now if you did that if you did that today that would be on nbc nightly fucking news it would be considered that important and no one would ever ask what did the fucking wise ass little shit do in class you know even if he was a little ginger like me they still would give a shit it's fucking amazing it's fucking amazing how much people care about other people nowadays you know while ignoring that we're all filling up our recycling bins, bins now. You know, this is the blue one. This is for recycling. It's all going in the ocean. When was the last time you bought something out of something that was recycled? <laughs> I think I got one toy this year. One toy, one relative got it. Actually, it was a helicopter. It was cool. It was made out of old recycled uh, milk cartons. And I was like, well, that's fucking cool. There's a, there's, a, there's a ray of light, which this podcast has not been. Jesus Christ, I'm shitting on Bills fans. What else? Retirement, suicide. I'm sorry. Let me, let me fucking bring it around here. Bring it around to a sunshiny place. Um, I will tell you, though, the, the, Writing a whole new hour stand-up is one of my favorite fucking things in the world to do. Just going up there and just fucking bombing and just saying ridiculous. Some of the shit I said, I said the other night, I was sick of seeing regular women with designer bags. <laughs> it was like, what? I don't even know why I said it. And then I just had to go with it like I believed it, like I actually cared. It was like the most fun three minutes of that day, other than playing with my kids, which, by the way, has been a blast, man. 
we, uh, I got my daughter this electric car that she can drive around the driveway. It's a little two-seater. Thing is fucking hilarious. So she's driving my son around. He's all excited. There's little seat belts. It's got little lights on it and stuff. It is fucking incredible. I'm looking at that thing like, if they fucking had one of those things when I was a kid, it's incredible. Um, but anyway, you actually really learn how to drive. Like she's learning that, like, you know, when you go to back up, you got to cut the wheel. You know, I don't have the biggest driveway. So uh, at first I thought that that was going to be a, like a bad thing because you couldn't just cruise up and down the driveway. I got like a small driveway. But now I'm realizing it's actually kind of a good thing because she's, she's actually learning how to drive. But she loves it. And of course, like this is the time of year that it rains. So she hasn't been able to drive. So she's going, Dad, can we, do you want to, uh, you want to go outside and watch me drive my car? I want to drive my car. Oh, it's fucking adorable. Um, so anyway, um, it's New Year's coming up, people. What are you doing? What are your New Year's resolutions? Me, I'm going to finally lose this last, like, eight pounds of the 20 that I that I put on. I got to finally just knock it out. Um, it's funny. I gave away all my cigars to the troops. I hope they got to you guys. Um, but then, like, I've just been going out to cigar bars and buying them, but I'm just buying sort of one and two at a time. But I think I'm still smoking as much as I ever did. The whole thing is just stupid. I just got to like lay off it. But uh, that's going to happen after the new year. I'm going to smoke way less cigars. However, however, I am going to the Rose Bowl as always. Uh, But this year we're not going to the game. I think we finally realized after going to 10 straight Rose Bowls, that what we really enjoy is the tailgate. And we're always bummed out when the, the game always comes to, we, we get there like seven in the morning. I pass out by 10, I wake up at noon and then we have to fuck, that happens every year. And uh, I just don't pace myself. I just get so fucking excited. But the last couple I've been sober, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I've been doing. Oh, wait, no. The last two New Year's, I've been sober, but only one of them, I could go to the game because of COVID last year. That's it. All right. There we go. So we're just going to go there. We're going to throw the ball around, maybe get a little generator going, watch some of the bowl games, hang out, eat some food, just have a great time. And while the game's going, we're going to fucking leave like I did a few years ago because I remember doing that when my wife was pregnant with my daughter and she could have the kid at any point. And she told me, she goes, all right, now don't go there and get all fucked up at, at the tailgate because God forbid I go into labor, then what? I go, okay, honey. And I go there, right? And everybody's doing shots. And I say to myself, all right, I'm just going to do one. So I do one shot and immediately I'm like, Frank, the tank, you know, oh, it feels so good when it, when it touches your lips, you know? <laughs> so I proceed to get mildly fucked up and I keep checking in with her you know I'll have like a shot in my hand I'm going how you doing any anything going on no all good I'm like all right and then I would do like another shot it was so stupid so stupid and fucking irresponsible whatever um but uh that one ended up leaving the game early I remember it actually felt good 
to just not sit in the traffic. I wasn't as fucked up. And I think that that's, I don't know, it started to click like maybe you should go a little easier and not go so fucking hard. Um, so, you know, I've been fucking stone sober since I tried mushrooms for the one and only time back in February. And, um, I don't know. I think I'm going to just keep doing this shit. I think maybe every once in a while, if the timing is right, if I have an extra day on the road or something, or maybe like one of those therapy things, I would do like a mushroom thing again. But other than that, I think I'm, I'm, I'm like fucking good. Um, Although, you know when the toughest one is? The toughest one is when I'm on, if I take like a vacation with my wife. That's a hard one, you know, to not have a couple of drinks or something like that. I mean, what the fuck? But I know why. I know why, because then it always ends up, then it's just something I have to fucking quit again, which I don't want to fucking deal with. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. So this is me. In a dark closet, flashing back um, to a younger time in my life. This is the uh, Ben, the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast. We have the uh, the segment that everybody's been loving with Paul Verzi, the Bet MGM segment. I'm gonna let you know because uh, we didn't do anything better podcast this week. We did like a 40 minute thing talking about the NFL and honoring the great John Madden. If you thought for some reason I forgot to bring, literally. Um, just the absolute king. He just, on all levels, absolutely was the best. He he just looked like, he looked like us. He looked like a football fan. He played football. He loved football. You know, the way he didn't, he never looked right in a sport coat. He just looked like he should be standing around a hibachi just talking about the game and everything. And, um... I don't want to repeat anything that I said on the podcast, but we give him uh, a respectful send-off. Um, I mean, Jesus, that's just an absolute giant uh, who's no longer with us. And uh, if you are a football fan, a fan of the NFL, you are a more knowledgeable fan because of that great man. Um, all right, that is it. Enjoy. Here's the Bet MGM segment. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Anything Better Podcast NFL Preview Edition for week number set. Well, going into week 17, we will go over week 16, but first we got to believe out. it. 17, right. Paul, where does it go? It's over. It's fucking over. Um, got to thank our sponsor, the best sponsor in the game with betting, the most reliable betting uh betting app there is out there which is bet mgm guys as you know the anything better podcast has teamed up with bet mgm at the beginning of the season we'll be using all of their lines to make our picks we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up to bet mgm yet use bonus code burr b-u-r-r and you'll get two hundred dollars free after placing your first ten dollar bet 100 smackaroos for free 200 bones Here's how it works. You download the BetMGM app to sign up using bonus code BURR. That's B-U-R-R. Very, very easy. You place your first $10 Moneyline bet on any NFL game that there is. You'll receive $200 in free bets immediately after placing your bet, regardless of the outcome. I'm going to say that again. Regardless if you shit the bed and you make an awful prediction, you're still fine. 
All right. That's unheard of. Uh, so it doesn't matter the outcome. Just make sure you use bonus code BURR, B-U-R-R, when you sign up. Now, going into week 16, Bill and I somehow survived this COVID shitstorm, and we ended up no harm, no foul, but nobody gained any ground, both going two and two. Hey, Bill. Dude, how wrong was I about that Charger game? I was you know, so pissed. I was like, oh, man, why did I say I'm taking the Jets first? And the and Jets end up, up not only for you. not covered, they ended up losing. Dude, I, 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 I swear to God, I can't, I just can't 100% blame COVID, man. I kind of, I've lost the angles, Paul. And you know what? I've let you hang around and I got no one to blame but myself. I am one bad week away from just, you know, fumbling the fucking extra point snap here. Well, listen, Over I'm one case victory. I'm one week away from losing it, and you're one week, good week away from a title. Speaking <laughs> of which, after, after the week, okay, after all of these weeks, Bill's record is 35, 28, and one against the spread. My record is, I mean, I'm sorry, 35, 28, and one minus 34 and 30. So Bill is five and a half games beating the book i'm four games beating the book which means the anything better podcast has made you people money let's call a spade let's if call you're it doing what, what we tell you to do and you put even money on everything and with the juice they're probably still getting you but you're telling me that they're doing it better on the network then because somebody has on a sport code and they used to play the game doesn't mean they know how to gamble paul that's right speaking yeah. of which we found i found the perfect meme i sent it to paul that if you've never yeah. gambled before and you want to know what it's like to have money on a game, all right, <laughs> this video is the difference between the first half and the yeah. second half, betting on yeah. a football game. Here it is right here. Hey. You got to start from the beginning. <laughs> you got to say. I love, I love the wave. Oh, my God, I'm up 14-7. Interception. Fuck. <laughs> I told you. I told you. I both. Sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> dude that was you in october right here when you get ready to start high stepping and then i came back and then in december i thought i had you i'm like versy's going down again oh and four dude he's lucky he didn't go under that fucking thing and get killed oh my god that's brutal oh, i mean dude. i don't even know can you imagine i want to see the rest of the video i just want what? to figure out who was the person that got in and stopped that thing Watch his hat. Watch his hat and his head. <laughs> oh, That's the shit. difference between dating a woman and marrying her. Dude, she loves me. She's always lost. She would never fuck me over once, I swear. Dude, she's easy going, you know? <laughs> oh, all right, man. We're going into week 17. Bill, we are starting the fourth quarter of the NFL season, and uh, it's pretty nuts. Um, it's an odd week, which means I get the first pick, and I had literally two minutes to look at these, and boy, these are oh, tough. Oh, good. Good. These, Me too. These are tough, dude, because some teams need it. Other teams, you don't know if they're going for a draft pick. Let me ask you this, Paul. Have you ever watched a season of football? Yeah. Where there's been more teams, this flip-flopping where they just look like they're on a run. Yeah. I mean, it's the season so long now, it's becoming like basketball where a team's up 12 and then the other team goes on a 15-2 run. It's unreal. The yeah. Buffalo Bills, 
Yeah. Look like world beaters. Look like they were shit in the bed. And now they're kind of back. Well, I just got to tell you something. All those Bill fans, I don't know what they're so fucking excited about. They're just tied with us. We both went one and one. So what is the big thing? There's two games left. And God knows if there's two games left and you can shit the bed. I mean, that's pretty much, uh, that's that's their motto out there. So they're, they're celebrating a little too early. Having said that, I do, I do like the Bills. Well, yeah, and then you could also look at what the Chiefs are doing because the Chiefs seem like they're back, but I still don't like them against a good defense in the playoffs. Um, There's so many teams like that. All right, get, what, what do you got, Paul? Who are you coming out with? <laughs> dude, this is, uh, you know, I, I dude, I got to be honest with you. I feel like I'm flipping a coin with some of these games. Some of these lines are high. I think they're, they're ridiculously high. Yeah, do 12 and a half, 14 and a half, seven and a half. They look um, like college spreads in September. I, the Bills 14 and a half just scares the shit out of me. Um, Dan, who the fuck is Atlanta? One week they're beating Tom Brady Buccaneers, and next week they're fucking getting smoked by, I don't know, like Carolina or something. Fucking Saints are the same way, too. Dude, I, the Dolphins-Titans game is the hardest game for me to pick. I just honestly don't know. All right, dude. Here it goes. My first pick um, going into this week. I got to see if they're for real. I'm going to take I'm gonna take the Tennessee Titans over to Miami Dolphins, even though Miami's won like eight in a row. I got to see it. It's like, it's like when somebody sit, is, is, is bluffing with the poker hand and they're throwing the chips in, I got to see it. So I got to see if the Titans could do it. So I'm taking Tennessee at home to, to stifle the hottest team in football. Could be the dumbest pick of the year. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm going with the Titans at home. I don't I'm, know. I, just, I mean, they've won eight in a row. They are the Dolphins. And I think Mike Vrabel's a great coach. Is that in, in Miami? No. Hey, you know. You never know. All right. I'm uh, I'm buying in on two things. Oh, I'm boy. buying in that the Cowboys are legit, and I'm buying in that Arizona is finished. I bet Ooh. on Arizona the whole fucking year, and they've been great. And then lately, I don't know what's going on. They got injuries. They got COVID. They got sunstroke. I don't know what their deal is. The Phoenix Coyotes are thinking they're moving. There's a whole bunch of turmoil going, and I'm going to be there on Thursday. So I think that all goes in. It's only five and a half. I'm buying in. I'm taking the Cowboys. Lay in five and a half. (laughs) Oh, Bill, you thought about that one. And you're going to be there. I like it. I like the pick. Um, I'm not going to be at the game. I'm just, I'm going in. uh, By the time this thing airs, I was there Thursday. I had two shows. I hope you made it. I'm going to take. After a after an embarrassment against the Houston Texans, after the Chargers threw Justin Herbert through a couple of picks, I believe there was a fumble in there. The hapless Texans beat up on the Chargers, and now the Chargers the Jag- go back. The Jaguars did, huh? Didn't the Jaguars beat no. up? On no, no. Texans. It was, a, it was the Texans beat the shit okay. out of them, like forty something to twenty something. Now the Chargers come home minus six and a half. I think they'll beat the Broncos. 
um, by a touchdown. Teddy Bridgewater is out, and um, the Chargers need to bounce back. So I'll take the Chargers to win by a touchdown against the Broncos. Oh, I might blow this whole thing this week, Bill. No, I don't know. I, I can't find my picks here. I, I don't know. Oh, boy. Christ. It's because uh, my fucking um, my internet's all fucked up. Uh, who else did I have? Oh, I know. I'm taking uh, I'm taking the Colts. That running game and Carson Wentz scores Shit. points. I wanted that one. Minus I got the Colts. I wanted that game. Hey, Paul, last week I wanted the Chargers. I think two weeks before I wanted another game that you picked. And uh, those, hey, we're both picking those eight were games. It's going to happen. We're picking eight games a fucking week here. So, <sighs> Paul Verzi, uncharacteristically unsure of himself. This could be the week you go 4 0. This could be the week I go on 4 and just fucking end it. Um, I'm going with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals plus five and a half against the Chiefs at home. They're flying high. The kid just threw 500 and something yards. I think the Bengals need to really make a statement if they're for real this year, and this is the game to do it. I think even if the uh, if Cincinnati loses, I think they lose by less than five and a half. I'm taking Cincy at home. Joe Burrow's going to be smoking a cigar after that game, just like he did when LSU won a championship. Against Clemson. I was at that game right before the COVID came. Oh, I, um, I am scared. Oh, I'm scared. All right. I'm going with the team that for some reason nobody believes in, but I believe in them. I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks. Playing the fucking Lions. Wow. At home. I like that game. A game that doesn't matter he's going with. I was thinking of one of those games. You mean it doesn't? It does matter. Pete Carroll is going to have to sell his home with the grotto up there in Seattle if they don't get a victory. All right? I'm looking for Pete Carroll to be going, woo, like Ric Flair, like he does all the time after they score a touchdown. Russell Wilson, I still believe. Okay? <laughs> if, if, if Russell Wilson played in New York City, Paul, Come on. He's out there in Seattle just crushing it. And his his expression, drop it down the bucket. Now everybody say, hey, dropped it down the bucket. That's Russell Will. He should have trademarked that. He's the guy who does it. Um, dude, Russell, I mean, Pete Carroll's going to have the FBI show up to his house for tax evasion. He's going to run out the back door. <laughs> you can't get him. He's like a great comic book villain. There's always room for a sequel. <laughs> He's the Doc Ock of the NF of, of, of uh, football coaching. All right, I'm gonna take my New York football gen. I'm kidding. Um dude, he tried to teach he literally, you know, the end of Fargo. <laughs> when William H. Macy tries to go out the window, he did that at USC and got out. <laughs> yeah. What's it? What was the movie with uh what was the movie with the the dude uh, Tim Robbins? What was it? Shawshank Redemption. Oh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Carroll climbed through six yeah. miles of shit on his hands and knees to get to Seattle. Dude, I think everything he did there, they took away. They did everything but tear up the field. Take the band uniforms. 
Uh, Heisman trophies, championships. It was, uh, it, was, it was something, Paul. He didn't do what the warden did. The warden just offed himself when he saw the cops coming. <laughs> um, he was right, thinking dude. of doing something stupid and taking a few with him. He's just like, ah, what's it going to matter? Is Taysom Hill playing? Because if Taysom Hill is playing, the Saints are going to beat the Panthers at home. I'm going to I'm going to pet you right now, Paul. There's not another person in this in this country named Taysom. It's got to be. It's got to be some southern shit. And I'm not talking about somebody named after him. That's a very hard thing to do to come up with a name that nobody came up with and it's not like an asshole name because that's a cool name. Like, you know, like these Hollywood celebrities they name their kid like Butter Apple as All of right. now, he's not. As of now, he's not playing. You know what game is? You know what game is interesting? I. You should have said intriguing, Paul. You're touching your chin. You know what game is intriguing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know it's stupid, but I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers after being so embarrassed at home. I mean, so in December, Paul. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. I love that he lost last week and got embarrassed. You think Ben's going to sit there and take big, big Ben is the John Wayne, the modern day John Wayne. Just They're shaking get- stuff off. People bounce off him. They're getting three points at home. They got embarrassed on national television, bad against the chiefs. I'm going to take big Ben, which could be his second to last game ever. His last is it his last game home? It might be his last game home. Dude, that guy is a throwback. That guy is a 1970. I'll tell you, he's a 1970s football player, and that Indomica Sue should have been playing in the 1960s with, with Sam Huff and Dick Butkus stepping on guys. And you could do all of that if you watch those old NFL films. They're just guys playing in the wrong era. I love both of them. I just think that the coach and him have too much pride to go out like the way they did last week and then come home and do it, do it again. So I'm going to take them getting three at home. I got to tell you, out of all the weeks we've been doing this, this is the one. It might be because it's coming down to the end. This is the one that scares me. This is the one that scares me. But we'll see. I've already given into the fact that this ain't my year. So I'm just shooting from the hip here. And that's why I think for the first time this season, I'm going to go with the Monsters of the Midway against your New York football giants. I have out of respect. I waited to the end to see if you wanted that game. No. You didn't take it. I know you can't bet against your own team. So uh, Paul Verzi still as, as competitive as he is. The man has a good heart. He cannot bet against. I mean, last week I wanted to take the Bills. I just had a feeling about that game. Um, we both laid off that game. We yeah, both- I, I just I was like, you know, I got to I got to Now, also, I got to tell you, as much as I hate that we lost, I loved how the Bills came out in that first drive. They just rammed it right down our throat. And they, and they, they were like, they came to fucking play. And they needed, that was one of the biggest games the Bills have had since probably the Jim Kelly era. Oh, and Bill. they went in and they, they took the game, but I was also happy that we came back, but uh, I, I, you got to respect how the bills came in and played. Well, speaking of respect, and I'm glad I thought of this, 
we have no choice on this show but to pay tribute to the unbelievable life of John Madden. John Madden's voice was literally like, you know the way they say nobody's bigger than the game? He is the one guy, like somebody said on Twitter, John Madden is football. And dude, you know what he said? I saw something today. The game you guys beat us. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. The game you guys beat us in week 16 to go 16 and no when Coughlin decided to not lay down and really play you guys. And you guys, I was at that game. I told you about that game where Moss was, he broke the record to Moss and you guys won 38-35. We made one mistake. You guys made none. It was, it was nuts. Madden called Coughlin and they played the voicemail today. And he goes, he got, he goes, I don't mean to get emotional. He goes, but the fact that you didn't lay down and like, you, cause they, cause the giants had made the playoffs and there was a question if the giants were going to rest starters going into Tampa Bay and Coughlin goes, let's try to stop this streak. And Madden had called him and said, you just, it was like good for football. You did good for football. And then he goes, I don't it was, and I remember emotion. seeing the Colts, the Colts resting players and they took their foot off the gas and it just, you got to just keep going. You got to keep yeah. going. Um, I actually went to two Super Bowls that John Madden and Pat Summerall, the greatest announcing team oh, yes. I ever heard. They called both games. I went when we lost to the Packers and Brett Favre and um, when we won against the Rams in 2001. And um, I got like, I remember, you know, going back because I went to the game and I would tape it and watch it afterwards. I remember going back and watching the loss. And just thinking, is John Madden ever going to be able to say that, you know, the Patriots won one? And, and when I was at that game and the Patriots kicked it and won it, the, the, the thing that was on, I was so freaked out about, because this is back in the days of VCRs, did my VCR tape? Because I want to hear what he's saying about my, finally John Madden with all of his knowledge is going to say something great about, you know, our team. But that guy just like, Dude, the guy won 100 games, seven division titles in, in a Super Bowl in seven years with the Raiders. He put him on the map. He's the re- the whole commitment to e- excellence. He's right there with Al Davis. I mean, the guy, what he did for offensive linemen, he got me to start watching offensive linemen and realize how cool that was and just not think that just, you know, yeah. really cool people are the ones with the ball or the guys stopping the person with the ball. Um him diagramming the plays it was like i i just and he just he loved like being a raider he loved people that had you know crazy personalities and um i don't know i saw something this morning you know i was at the gym and i the sound was down i saw it was john madden ken stabler and then there was another john madden and jack tatum and I was just saying, man, all of those guys are gone now. I just cannot believe how much time has gone by. And how crazy is it that they, they, they finally did this epic documentary on him? It was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. And they just summed him up. He got to say what he said. He got to thank everybody. He got to realize what he meant to everybody. And then he just dies of natural causes, basically, in his sleep. No long-term illness or anything. A big guy like that living to 85, eating whatever the hell he wanted to eat. I mean, that guy lived 
one of the charmed lives lives I've I've ever seen. His kids love him. You know, uh, got into the Hall of Fame, and he did. Al Davis was still alive. Uh, um, <clears throat> oh, the Turkey Legs, the All Madden team. You ever you see that in the documentary? They were sitting out. Like guys would get more upset. You know that they didn't make him the All Madden team because he was saying, you know, being on the All Madden team meant you were a man. <laughs> he played the game the way he was supposed to play it. It wasn't just stats or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, I don't know. It it sucks, but uh, I don't know. I'm kind of he deserved to go out the way he went out with an epic documentary and and no illness and just going peacefully like that. It's amazing that he, yeah, I agree, but it's amazing that they just did that documentary and you see him sitting on the couch watching it and smiling. And then he just kind of just was like, just goes off and in his sleep, it's like a beautiful life. It's this amazing thing. And uh, Joe the end of Joe Pesci's acting career and the Irishman, he literally waves goodbye. It's amazing. I, yes. I saw in real time. Yes. I was like, that is the perfect ending to an acting career I've ever seen. John Madden one upped him with the perfect ending to a life. Here's another thing too. I love about that guy is he could take a compliment. He wasn't all fidgeting when people were saying great stuff about him. He just had a big smile on his just so just seemed like the warmest guy. Hey, yeah. do you know what? Yeah. You know, Joe Bartnick met him one time. I'm going to tell the Bartnick story. Oh, wow. Uh, he was going into radio or somewhere near a stadium and John Mann came out. So he was walking out. They're like, Oh my God, John Mann, John Mann. He was kind of like, yeah, Hey, Hey, like who are these lunatics? And Bartnick goes, Hey, he goes, today is the greatest day of your life, but only if you win. He, he said his Super Bowl speech and the guy just stopped and he was like, oh, Hey fellas. And then he just, Sat and actually talked to him, but Bartnick got to, you know, you got it. Yes. He's just like, all right, I know I'm famous. I do the light beer for Miller and stuff. And Bartnick got him with quoting a deep cut. Yeah. A side B. I, I had the, um, I want to say something about John Madden after, but you got to hit something that's different when you see a guy like that. And I did the same thing with Mariano Rivera. He was outside Yankee stadium. He was on a suit. They were getting on a bus to go to one of the pitchers birthday parties. Everyone's yelling, Mo, Mo, blah, blah, blah. This and that. He's doing the whole typical, really nice waving, but really not looking at anybody. And he's doing everything. He's just looking all, you know, he was really thin actually for, for what he did and how hard he threw. And I just, everyone's yelling stuff. And I just go greatest ever dude. And he just stopped. And he just looked and he just gave this thing. And it was like, that was it. <laughs> and it, when you do that to them, like when you hit the chord that they want to be hit. But the thing about Madden was you said you wanted to hear him say something about the Patriots or what, the, what, what it was finally going to say when your team won. He never was biased against a team. He was opposite of Tim McCarver. Tim McCarver hated the Yankees. He hated the fucking Red Sox. Every team that caught him, he had this thing when he called the games and you could feel it. Madden was always like complimentary. 
he was always like, this guy is great. When he puts his head down, he's great. This coach is great. This organization deserves That's this. my kind of player. He's positive. Blood. He's blood. Yes. He's got snot hanging on He's a big nose. guy. Boom. And he would go, <laughs> boom. He's a big guy. Boom. And he, he, he always, and he goes, it's not a, it's not a hit or it's not a crash. He goes, it's boom. But anyway, man, um, and the video games growing up, I'm, I'm growing up. That's the one game still to this day. I'll go to a friend's house, but Hey man, you want to go, go mad and, and um, just the guy was football. So yes. And the oh, turkey, you know what's the, crazy? He's the guy that I got that kick the field goal. You take the points. And it's like, I'm listening to a hall of fame oh. coach and blah, blah, blah. But in 2001, when I went back and I listened to that playback, when the Patriots didn't lay down and just play for the, uh, the overtime, he said on the mic, he goes, I don't agree with this. And then he watched basically the beginning of the Brady legend and he, then he said a couple plays later, he said what he either said what the Patriots or what Brady is doing right now is giving me the chills. And then Adam Vinatieri, if, is there a field goal? Did Jan Stenerud make it in? If there's not a field goal kicker in the Hall of Fame, Adam Vinatieri not only should be in the Hall of Fame, should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Wait, what did Madden not agree with? What did he say I don't agree with? He thought that we should have just taken a knee and gone and played in overtime. Because he thought that they're going to be slinging the ball. You're risking a turnover. And, you know, oh, it was okay. a real, like Madden was just after that three yards in a cloud of dust era of football before Unitas and the Colts opened it up. Um, you know, uh, uh, Paul Brown and uh, Otto Graham with uh, uh, Lou the Toe Groza were all like, they were throwing the ball. The but toe? They, also, they, they Lou the Toe Groza, offensive lineman, kicked it straight on. I remember that guy. That guy. Yeah, he was the one, you know, when they were trying to figure out why Paul Brown was so successful. Like, they didn't take the kicking game seriously, and he did. And he'd get three here, he'd get three there, he'd get three there. Next thing you know, he got an extra nine points, and you lose by two or whatever. Um, that Does whole the field goal exist anymore, Bill? Because you're getting me all excited now because I've been texting everybody. Does a field goal exist? Because uh, what's it called? The one team went for it in the red zone on fourth down five times and fucking lost the game. Nobody takes points from the 20-yard line when they're fucking right there. And it's, 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 just, it's crazy. I feel like it's crazy. I feel like the fans enjoy watching you go for it on fourth down and not making it more than they enjoy a field goal. So you'd almost don't get called out on it. But I'll tell you, like, you know, last week the Bills went right down. It was fourth and two. Fourth and goal, right? Two yards away from the goal line. And they went for it. And I was like, this is the dumbest fucking call. Just get the points. But then they made it. And it's like, so they, comp they combined coming out, ramming it down our throats. Fourth and two, we believe in ourselves. And they scored the touchdown. And then the very next drive, we were like fourth fourth and whatever, a couple of yards on our own 50, down seven to nothing after a very impressive drive. We went for it, ran a sweep, and we got it. So, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are on it, but I will say the thing about it is, is I guess if you go for it and you make it, in a game like the Patriots versus the Bills, after they, they did it, it really made sense. Because I was, it was like, it was already deflating. Like, fuck, man, these guys really came to play. And you could just see us on our heels like, whoa, whoa. We came to play, but you guys are really playing. 
And the fact that they didn't go down and just do a little kick for a, uh, and we're down three, nothing. It's sort of like a little bit of a victory after the way they came out. The fact that they went down and scored the touchdown. I, I, I have to, you know, I, I agree with it in that. I mean, I don't know. It's weird to say I agree with it after I saw that it worked, but like, I'm still not sold on if you didn't get it, the momentum switch of that. Um, Okay. I think going for it down your throat and then we stop you on the goal line. And now we have the momentum. I don't know. It's, it's one, a big risk. One, one thing going I want to add about, the, Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Paul. I didn't mean no, no, go ahead. What were you saying? I was gonna say one thing I just want to add about the uh, Madden game. Uh, it's an interesting fact. And I read this uh, Joe Pomp Joe Pompliano, uh, who's a great sports writer. Um, good follow on Twitter. Uh, he said, after being turned down by Joe Montana, EA Sports approached John Madden in 1982 with the idea of creating a video game. Skeptical at first, Madden eventually agreed as he saw it as a way to educate fans on the game of football. The only problem, Madden was a perfectionist. EA Sports spent years working on a prototype only to have John Madden shut it down immediately. Upset that it was seven versus seven football and didn't integrate any of the NFL playbook uh, Madden made them start over seven years and many uh, revisions later. Uh, John Madden football was released in 1988. That's, that's awesome. Incredible. That's fucking awesome. Dude, dude that's dude, right up there with Bill Walsh. Seven? When they asked Bill Walsh to write a book, he wrote this book and he just wrote it about football and like breaking down like the cover two and all the West coast offense and all that. And the, the publisher was just like, Dude, we can't publish this. He goes, well, that's the kind of book I'm writing. And it didn't sell well, but it is considered like a Bible amongst football coaches because they all go out and buy it. Here's something else about John Madden. The only other guy I saw do this where after they retired, long after they retired, his name still meant something. It was still Madden football, Madden football, Madden for Jordan. They still put out Jordans. There's a new yeah. Jordans every year. The guy's been retired for 20 years. There's only two guys yeah. that were ever big enough that they ever did that for. So um, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know, man. Like, that's what I mean. Bigger than the game. It's like, it, it, it's like, it's John Madden, dude. It's, yeah. It's, it's great, man. And, and everybody, and, and on top of it all, his voice. His voice was so unique and so like you could be like they said, uh, uh, Kevin Harlan said the guy who was actually called more Super Bowl games than anybody, the Kevin Harlan right between the eyes. He said, he goes, when, when, uh, somebody or somebody said when John Madden's voice was on like on a TV and you heard it, you had to just like, when you heard John Madden's oh, yeah. voice, you just had to watch, you know, you knew it was an important game. Cause him and Pat did the be the most important game every single week. Um, there's another thing too, was he just looked like a regular guy too. He looked like the big guy at the tailgate. I remember me and my older brother used to laugh when he first got in the booth was my brother used to laugh cause, uh, or he's on like almost on the panel on, on, uh, on TV before the game, he would have a sport coat on with short sleeves underneath it. So like, you know, his wrists would be showing, which was a big no, no and haberdashery back then. And he just didn't give a fuck cause he wasn't a suit. And uh, he just, you know, I just loved the way he looked in a suit, too. He looked like he did never wore a suit except at, like, Christmas or Thanksgiving or a funeral. He just had that every every man thing about him, man. It's um, – I got to be honest with you. I don't think uh, 
you know, I don't think his shoes have been filled yet. Someone has yet to step in. Um, Dude, for they're not going to do what too. he did. They, they're going to have to be totally like unique because there's been some great guys like Tony Romo might be my favorite. Is Like Tony Romo, I think, is the best football educator yeah. since yeah. John Madden came in the league where, like, um, the stuff he says before the play and it's and it ends up being it's like it's, it's like the guys like eight seconds in the future. Um, yeah. Troy Aikman, I love Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. I love those guys. Uh, um, Tony Romo, obviously, Al Michaels and Collins, but they've been around forever. Oh, but like, they're my favorite. They're my favorites. I think they're the I, they're my favorites because they're just so like Chris Collinsworth just sits there and he's so as a matter of fact and great and he's never shits on anybody like the thing we were saying with Madden Al Michaels voice I got to be honest Al Michaels voice for me is really really close to you know like you know he's the guy you know do you believe in miracles but then all of those big games he's done too so I get a good Al Michaels makes me feel good hearing him I just feel you imagine like if you know when they have those verses the rappers have verses (laughs) if you were like an announcer you got to throw Bob Costas in there too. That guy goes back yes. to the, N- the ABA dunking contest. Yes. All right. If Al Michaels and Bob Costas had a versus, because they're, they're both broadcasters, right? Well, they, they weren't former athletes, were they? they're broadcasters. I mean, you are talking about, you're basically talking the history of American sports for the last 40 plus years. Yeah. I mean, Al Michaels, if he did the 1980 Olympics, I mean, how big was that guy to get called on to do the Olympics? Yeah. He's like stepping in for John McKay at that point. And Bob Costas goes back to the ABA, which was the early seventies. So, I mean, you're yeah. talking about when he was calling those games, Wilt Chamberlain was still playing in the NBA. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Nobody wanted that game that Al Michaels called the the miracles game. That nobody wanted that game. That was like bottom of the totem pole, young guy. Yeah, you get it because they just thought it wasn't going to be an interesting game. Because they thought they were going to fucking Russians were going to roll over them. And also hockey, nobody liked hockey in this freaking country. Didn't like it enough. But uh, what was I going to say? Al Michaels is a huge hockey fan. That's awesome. Huge, huge, huge hockey fan. Yeah. How would broad oh. how would broadcasters battle? One guy's in a booth, guy's in a booth. guy finishes. No, he's at the 10, he's at the five. Oh, he's going deep. No, you gotta go, dude. This is a great thing to do. The greatest calls, yeah, of all time. I mean, like uh I'm trying to think of some of the classics. Do you believe in miracles? Yes, that's that's a top five. Uh, that might be a top three. Top three. I'm trying to think of the. I'm going fucking blank now. Oh, Bird, oh, Bird down goes Bird steals the ball. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier is a down big goes one. Frazier. Down goes Frazier. Bird steals Bird the steals ball. The ball or or an Havlicek steals it. Those are the two big Celtics ones. What was the baseball um, the one? Cardinals, Shot heard around the world. The Cardinals won. When Ozzy Smith, go crazy, folks, go crazy. The Doug Flutie call. Oh, I got one. I got In one. Miami. He did it. He did it. Flutie did it. That's a great one. Oh, and Phelan got it. And then the other guy. (laughs) How about this one? How about this one? Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. That's a great one. That's a good one. 
That is a great one. Um, as much as I hate to say it, Joe Buck saying the curse is over was pretty big. That was a pretty big one. When the that's Sox a big won. one. Come on, dude. Joe Buck's voice in, in October. That is baseball. That's good. That is baseball. Um, oh, man, this is I know there's a bunch of huge ones that I quote all the time. Um, I can do the Johnny most one. Uh, Which one? The, the one where, where Bird steals the ball. Well, Bird, Bird steals the ball. I think it was. Uh, and oh, and Bird steals it over to DJ. He lays it up and in. Yeah. Oh my God, this place is going crazy. <laughs> I got a list pulled up here. Number That's one, do you believe in miracles? Uh, number yep. two, it's got uh, the Giants win the pennant, 1951, by Russ Hodges. Oh, that's a good one. Down goes Fraser, uh, Fraser Howard Cassell. Um, that's a great one. I don't believe what I just saw. 1988, Joe Buck. Oh yeah, I don't believe what I just saw. Yeah, oh, that's another great one. Gets through Buckner. 1986, Vin Scully. Oh, there's a little bounding ball of Buckner behind the bag. It gets through Buckner, and then Mets win it. Ugh. Havlicek steals the ball, Johnny Most. The band is on the field, 1982, Joe, Joe Starkey. Oh, that's a great one. And the band is on the field. Yeah. 2005, Vern Lindquist. Lindquist, uh, In Your Life. Have you ever seen that one? Um, wait a minute. 2005, wait. which one was that? Oh, uh, that was that was your game, Paul. USC? It was that? Oh, Longhorns? No. Uh, wait, this, is that that game? I'm guessing. Uh, Vern always did college. Of all time. Uh, Jack Nick, oh Jack Nicholas, eighty six Masters. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's it's blacked out here. This website thinks. Um, spectacular. That's gotta be that's gotta be Vince Young against USC, right? That was Pete Carroll, Sanchez, uh, uh, Reggie Bush. That was unreal, dude. That was. I got. That's when Pete Carroll was in like the montage part of Scarface when he was at USC, <laughs> going to the bank with the money getting counted and all of that stuff. Looking at the tiger with his fucking wedding yeah, party. Bulletproof Porsche. He's walking around with Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> I'm sorry, not Sanchez. It was Matt Liner. It was Matt Liner. Yeah. Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah. Reggie Bush. <laughs> Marv Albert, 1991. A spectacular move by Michael Jordan. Uh, 1994. Oh, that was the uh, when the, the the switch of the hands one layup against the Cavs, maybe. Yeah, there's a Rangers 19, 1994, Howie Rose. I think he switched hands against the Lakers. Oh, was it okay? He switched he switched hands against the Lakers, but uh yeah, that you know what, dude? This there's, there's not a lot of them. No. Hey Andrew, you gotta reach out to these guys. I wanna do we gotta do a versus. If we could get Al Michaels and Bob Costas to go on and just talk about, oh my God, just have a list of all the greatest games and like how many of them they were at. There's, dude, that would be nuts for them to be like, who did you? I said they they asked Kevin Harlan who was the most impressive he ever saw, and he said watching Jordan, he said it was like the guy wasn't on his feet. It was like when you watched him without the ball, it was like he was floating. He goes, you were watching something different. You imagine asking Costas or Al Michaels that, dude, with everything that they saw? Oh, my God, dude. I, yeah, I don't really know where they could categorize it. I was saying the other day, 
the most electrifying because I saw Jordan when he had hair, but it was a scrimmage game at the Dean Dome to get people excited. This was back in like 87, 88 to get them excited that NBA basketball was coming to Charlotte with the, the, the Hornets, who later became the Bobcats, who later became the Pelicans. Um, so I saw him play. But he only played like a half. You know, it was like a scrimmage. It wasn't a big deal. So the most exciting person I ever saw play live as far as just electrifying in the crowd on the edge of their seats was Michael Vick in the Georgia Dome. Pre all that dog shit. I mean, he was doing that dog shit, but nobody knew at that point. Um, dude, every fucking time he rolled out of the pocket, the whole place stood up. I don't care if he was on his own two-yard line. That's and amazing. it was in a dome. It, my ears were ringing when I came out of there. It was he was he was fucking insane, yeah. insane. It was literally like he was like three steps faster than anybody else out there. Um, I've been to a zillion games and I still remember him running down, zigzagging across the field, and then running down the sidelines toward me. I had like seats on like the twenty or the thirty, like mezzanine or upper deck level, and just seeing him coming down. Like, dude, I felt like I did leg day the next day when, after going to that, getting up and sitting down so many times. He was a blur, man. He was a fucking blur when he ran with the ball. Yeah. He was reckless, he was. though. He was reckless. That's that's the one thing. But then he's the only guy to get two, two hundred. He's the only guy to get two one hundred million dollar contracts. He got a hundred million dollar contract pre dogs. And then after he got out. He got a second chance, and I believe the Eagles or somebody gave him another. He came back from that and got another. It was the Eagles. It was Eagles. That's Philadelphia compared to what their fans are doing, drowning dogs. That's like a misdemeanor. Hey, Mike, welcome home. (laughs) Jesus. Um. What the fuck else? Who else? Oh, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson was the most. I didn't get to see him live, but Mo, Bo Jackson, uh, pre the, obviously pre the hip injury, was the most explosive thing I've ever seen. When that guy, that guy was Evan Walker. Nuts. That's a big trivia. I think that's the guy's name. He's Who? the guy who tackled him. Oh, okay. Brutal. Hey, what um, what uh? So who's the best guy you ever saw live? The best guy I ever saw live, uh, you know, I, I saw any sport, I would say Brady. And I saw 2007 Brady. I saw, I told you this, and, and for anybody listening, I don't know if I said story, I've never seen, I forgot who I told, I've never seen in my lifetime, I was at that game where you guys went 16 and 0, 38, 35, you guys. The place <laughs> stood up for, the place stood up. I want a meme of you the amount of times you've said you, this is the second time on this podcast. You said you had that game. Yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, that game and the USC Texans are your two go-tos. Yeah, no, when but, you're an old man and kids I, say they know about sports. You're going to say, let me, let me tell you, say, let me tell you something. hundred, hundred percent. But <laughs> giant stadium stood up all but three plays. I remember everybody, three plays. People said that everybody stood up. But I'll never forget Brady walking to the line of scrimmage with Moss and all that 70,000 people standing up, screaming, yelling. And he looked, they looked like they were in a fucking in, at their practice facility. That's how calm. I've never seen anything like it. He walked up, people yelling. I was just like, oh, dude, this was a, they were a machine, dude. And it was when he broke the record for most touchdown passes. 
I would think that a guy that won that many Super Bowls, I would say that that's the greatest as far as I mean. I saw him on. I saw Marino. Right. I saw Marino play. Um, yeah, I saw Marino. I saw him a couple of times coming into Foxborough Stadium, kicking her ass. I got one for you. Then we got to wrap this up here because uh, this is we're literally doing a podcast here. Well, yeah, we got to do the Monday Night Special too, so we got to rush. All right, no, the uh, the I'd say one of the best performances I saw at a game that I wasn't at was Lawrence Taylor. They showed the game um, during the Madden documentary where Madden was saying, I never thought one defensive player could take over a game and win it. And Lawrence Taylor did. And I remember, uh, I remember that interception. And I remember when he caught it, that he was going to go all, all the way. And I was so into football cards. I remember thinking like, I got excited that I was going to look on the back and see, you know, interceptions and then see one for a touchdown. And then I saw it, dude, I was into football like that, that it was going to say all pro underneath his name. And it was right. That was sort of like, I think that game might've been the one that um, put him on the map nationally that everybody was like, dude, have you seen that guy, Lawrence Taylor? Oh my God, this guy. That's where he reached, right? He reached and got it and then ran. Yeah. I remember. Yep. I remember. Um, man, talking about this is awesome, dude. We just did like a, but yeah, we got to get to this. Uh, All right, let's get to the, let's get to the pick here. We got to get to the Monday night uh, special. The Monday night special. Win some money for you. So here's the deal. Because of the COVID protocols and all this stuff and people, you know, doing whatever they're doing and getting kicked out, they told us to stick to the money line, the over or under, and then for some reason we can still pick somebody to score a touchdown. So who's playing? Cleveland Browns. It's the Steelers and and Browns. Um, I took the Steelers getting three at home after that embarrassment. So if you want to take, you want to take the Steelers with the money line. Yeah, I want to take the Steelers with the money line. And uh, what's the over under? Uh, Three. Oh, oh, over under. Sorry, 41. 41. I always break Dan Dan Katz's fucking rules that life is too short to bet the under, but I just like the under in this. I think that uh, I don't know. I just I just like the under. I just think I just when I think Cleveland and Pittsburgh, I just don't think a lot of points, and I also think defense. It's just the personality of both of those franchises, and uh, yeah, it might you know, be a tight yeah more more tight defense division. Division rival tight defense. All right, so we'll take the Pittsburgh Steelers with the money line. We'll take under 41. And what's the third one? Big Ben's got to throw one, you know? Dude, they both are gunslingers, man. I mean, what's his face? How many did uh, uh, Baker Mayfield throw last week? Which makes me think maybe they're not going to do it this week. Well, he threw three picks last week. One of them was bullshit. One was a, was either a tip, I forget. I yeah, actually, was... You know, this is another thing, too. I don't think quarterbacks throwing a Hail Mary at the end of the game, but should the be, end of a half I know. should be counted as a fucking interception. I agree with that. Yeah, they're, they're putting up a 50-50 ball at the end of a half because there's two seconds left. It should, it, there should be some sort of category for that. Yeah. Um, what, what, whatever you want. We could, go, we could roll with whatever you want for the third one. I like both of our first ones, I guess. I mean, all right. I would say, what's his face is going to score that that running back for um, for the Browns. What the fuck's his name? Nick Chubb. 
Yeah, Nick well, Chubb. Make sure, make sure there's no COVID with Nick Chubb. Why did I think his last name was Mac? Uh, Dude, do yourself a favor. You got me thinking about that, man. I was, Bill, who was your buddy who worked as an agent, but then after he was an agent, he ended up helping with like finance, like players, like with their financial stuff. You remember that guy? Yeah, but well, I that, got old man brain right now. That um, dude, he, I said to him one time, he was backstage at a show and I go, dude, what's the greatest performance you ever seen in sports history? And he just goes, he goes, dude, Vince Young Rose Bowl. And I, I think I hugged him. I go, yeah, right. Yeah. I was like, I, was like, I never said anything. I never said anything like it. I never said anything like it. <laughs> Job's playing. Um, what is it? He's playing. All right, so Nick Chubb rushing touchdown. The the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers with the money line and under 41 for your Monday night special. I like that, man. That sounds like a winner to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, just hopefully the Steelers can pull it off. But, Although none uh, of that makes sense. I bet we bet the under, and then I bet that somebody on the other team is going to score a touchdown against the team that I picked. <laughs> That's how you win money, people. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Let the Monday Nuts special <laughs> win some money for you. you all right. Uh, That's all right, everybody. Happy New Year. Thank you to everybody watching the podcast and uh, listening and all that stuff. We've been having a great time and enjoying me and Versi going right down to the wire. A classic, a pitcher's duel here, Paul. You know, and, and listen, duel. if there's one thing that we can take is whoever loses – which I'm really scared of losing, but whoever loses, as long as if we both beat the book after 18 weeks, that's something. So that's something. Is. Why are you scared of I've losing? Never, I got the, I, you've never beat me, so I, I'm the one who has something to lose here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And like, you can I, just I, be slinging it, Paul. I, I got, <laughs> no, we haven't done this in, what, <laughs> 10 years? And, and, and you beat me 10 years ago. I want it. I want it, Bill. I want it. I want the Jimmy the Greek trophy. We got to do it. After this year, we got to do it. We got to get a trophy. Um, Andrew, do you want me to read the offer? You oh, I won two back in the day in the, in, the, in the BAA. If I was the Lakers, I would count those as fucking titles. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Well, that's the thing. Uh, that's the episode. That's the preview. Please, please use the BetMGM app. It is the best. It's the most reliable, most reliable lines. Uh, if you haven't signed up, just go to the app, uh, BetMGM. Use bonus code BURR, B-U-R-R. Couldn't be more easy. $200 free after placing a $10 bet, okay? So you download the app. You use B-U-R-R as the code. You place a $10 money line bet in any NFL game. You'll receive $200 in free bets immediately after placing your bet, regardless of the outcome. Just make sure you use bonus code BURR when you sign up. And Atlanta, Georgia, I'm coming to the punchline January 7th through the 9th. Get your tickets. We're going to sell that place out. And for all other tickets, go to paulverzi.com. All right. That's it, everybody. Happy New Year. We will see you in 2022. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, D.C., Iowa, Indianapolis, Louisiana, Michigan, Missouri, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, Washington only. All promotions are subject to 
qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700. Colorado, D.C., Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indianapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call or text the Tennessee red line 800-889-9789-Tennessee or call 1-888-777-9696 in Missouri or 1-800-547-6133 for Washington. That's 1-800-547-6133. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada. All right. Did I tell you or did I tell you? I told you we'd send them off, right? Um, So that is it. Um... Enjoy the music picked out by the wonderful, always wonderful, Andrew Themelis. And then we have a bonus half hour of the Thursday afternoon just before Friday, Monday morning podcast. Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you to everybody that came out to my shows this year um, so I can continue to not have a real job. And, um, yeah, that's it. Thank you guys so much. All right. Go fuck yourselves and have a great weekend, you cunts. December 30th, 2013. Oh my God, it's the last Monday of 2013. You guys, what are we going to do with it? Um, I'm actually still enjoying the holidays. I don't know about you guys. Usually by th- at this point, I'm so fucking sick of everything. And I do mean everything. Then I'm kind of like, I'm almost excited to go back to work. But this year has been a great thing. Other than seeing that fucking... Have yourself a merry little Christmas commercial like 58 fucking times every goddamn hockey game, you know, or that one with the douche who, who he's got a family, right? So already he's hateable.
You know, oh, is that your little fucking fake television family? You know, that didn't notice the film crew watching you guys having a Christmas and he makes the home videos and everybody fucking gets around, you know, the TV and they're all tearing up. Oh, what a sentimental little sad thing you made. We're crying because we're so happy, right? Nobody trashes them. Calls them a little sensitive little pussy, something homophobic, like it would really go down. No, everybody is tolerant of this fuck and his little, uh, what was that movie with the chick with the rose petals coming down on her tits, right? Remember that? And the kids filming the trash and nobody understood him, man. That's who he should have been. You know? Getting shot in the garage, whatever the fuck happened. Something happened in the garage. Didn't somebody get shot? You know? I thought it was a little on the nose that the hard-ass guy (coughs) across the street was gay. You know, that whole thing that people who hate gay people, it's secretly secretly because they're gay. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I mean, people who hate the Al-Qaeda, is that because they're secretly the Al-Qaeda? Well, metaphorically speaking, maybe. Oh, who gives a fuck? I don't need to see the commercial anymore. That's all I'm saying. Is that all you're saying? Oh, I think it is. I think that's what I'm saying. You want to start an argument and ruin my fucking holiday week? I just told you, cunts, I'm in a good mood. What more do I have to do? Um, With holidays. (laughs) With the holidays comes family members. Dude, um, the reason why this podcast is extra late is one, because I'm on a vacation and I don't give a fuck. You know, I don't give a fuck, all right? I'm trying to work, but it's a half day for me, too. Just like if you, if, you, if your asshole boss made you come in today to do the end-of-the-year spreadsheets, whatever the hell you got to do, right? And all you're hearing is fucking uh, bowl game music in your head. I understand you. That's where, the, that's where I'm at. Okay? So why don't I do a little longer podcast this week and help you limp through your fucking half day? You know? You're the only poor bastard that's in the office right now. You know, the boss trying to make you feel like you're special. I'll tell you, I only brought in my best employees today. And you six are at the top of the list of people that I knew were in debt just far enough and were raised just well enough to not tell me to go fuck myself. So that's why I asked you six. I was wrong about the other two. Um, so anyways, um... I couldn't do the podcast today because I have, uh, you know, some relatives over here crashing with me. And I don't have a podcast studio except for the All Things Comedy podcast studio. But I only use that when I interview people um, like Dave Keckner. if you missed that one. Um, other than that, I just do it at my fucking house. So all my shit's downstairs. You know, one of my cousins is asleep downstairs. I got the shit in there. I don't want to wake him up or whatever. So uh, I'm also doing my end of the year shit where I have to get all my paperwork together. You know, to make sure all the, all the uh, I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed, to make sure if ever there's a knock on the door from those cunts who are on the legal side of stealing, come up to me and say, oh, do you have your paperwork so we can take this money from you and then do whatever the fuck we want with it? You know? So um, I've been avoiding doing this. But over the years, the paperwork has just gotten too big. And I went down. This is what I did this morning. Okay, during my vacation, I drove down to Staples and I bought a file cabinet. 
And I got to tell you, it was uh, – if U2 wasn't playing over the speakers – and thank God for U2, by the way, that somehow something of that level of quality can actually seep into the uh, the, the whatever, the, the, the play selection at, at a fucking office max. You know? It's brilliant. But they can still be that uplifting, yet still be pop and still be played in a department store. You know, that was the only thing keeping me going because it was fucking soul crushing. I don't know what it is about buying a file cabinet. And I don't want to hear any cunt say, oh, first world problems. You know, the amount of fucking people who've never left the first world and don't even know anything about the fucking third world other than what the fuck they see on TV, which is basically some fucking reporter with an army helmet on. Standing, we're trying to get the, we're trying to get more bamboo and have a fucking well built. I mean, what do you know about the third world before you tell me that? Before you lean over your potato skins in a fucking Applebee's, you know, and act like you're appreciating your your fucking lot in life. You're eating potato skins. Okay, they should be doing that in the third world if they have nothing to live for. Stick that down your throat and have a fucking heart attack. Here you are living in the fucking best goddamn situation you can possibly be in, and what are you doing? Huh? You're draining the oil out of your ass. <laughs> Sorry. So I go there. Um, and and many people, too, who I think even use that expression, first world problem, they don't even know what it means. They just heard enough people say it, and then they get a gist. Oh, you kind of say it during this part of a conversation. I do that all the time. I have all kinds of words in the English language that I could not give you a definition of, but I could use perfectly in a sentence because I heard enough other people doing it. You know, it's like all those people who can do Michael Jackson's fucking leg kick with the loafer. You know, can they go beyond that? No, but they can do that part. They've seen that part. They've seen that enough, right? Okay, but if you notice when they walk down the street, none of the fucking sidewalks lighten up. And that's, what I'm, that's my point. If you can't do the fucking math on that, then I can't help you. Um, so I go into this Staples, and uh, it was a good U2 song. It wasn't one of their douchey ones, like Beautiful Day. And they fucking start slowing. Like, oh, good, I can fucking relax. Then all of a sudden, Bono starts screaming at me what a beautiful day it is. It's like, yeah, Bono, it was a beautiful day until you started fucking screaming at me. Why don't you tell the edge to take it down? Tell Larry to get off the fucking crash symbol. Maybe ride on a fucking high hit. Maybe take out the brushes. You know? <laughs> um, anyway, so I walk in there. And these are my selections. There's either uh, the Staples. Okay, first of all, you, ha- you have the company that all we do is we make file cabinets. All right? And they have this fucking Band-Aid beige four-drawer fucking file cabinet you know i just looked at it and i might you know i just i just just felt something in my chest just gave way you know i think it was hope some form of hope i don't know something like say i lived 80 years you know i would have lived 80 years and a half a day if i didn't do what i did this morning you know what i mean i really i and i believe that shit too I think anytime you're doing something in life that you don't want to be doing, I think that adds up in the other end. You know, you would have been 90, but in the end of your life, you die at 82. Because if you add up all those fucking moments of going to Staples, you know, or we need batteries and standing in line at the fucking drugstore with the skeleton shift, 
you know, when there's nobody there to fucking unlock the goddamn thing to get you the fucking batteries. You got to wait till the fucking line's done so the chick behind the register can come over. All of that shit ends up adding up to like eight and a half years of your life. And that's just trying to buy shit. You know, forget about if you're uh, living with the wrong person. Oh, speaking of which, not to fucking, not to air the dirty laundry of my neighborhood, but I got to tell you something. All my neighbors, I, I lucked out, fucking great people. But I got to tell you, like three, three doors up the fucking street is this older couple. I don't know how old they are. They sound like they've been together forever, but they, the way, the, 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 energy they have when they scream at each other. I still think they're in their 50s. You know? Like they got one more big contract. They're going to ask for four years. You know, life's only going to give them three. And then they're going to fucking, they're going to move to Seattle. Like Cano. Right? So, when they yell at each other, I swear to God, the, 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 I can't even, the hate the fucking bile when they yell at each other like they are so done with each other. I, every time there's a pause in the argument, like he says, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, from like the fucking, I can't even do it. It's like, it's not quite blood curdling scream. And it's not quite just like maniacal rage. It's somewhere between the two. That the only way you can duplicate it is if you have that sort of pain in your heart. And they scream at each other. And every time they pause, when there's that pause, I just, I wince because I'm waiting to hear the gunshot. You know what I mean? I don't know. And then there's that weird part too that I, I, it also makes me feel good. Like, wow, I have a great relationship. <laughs> I mean, I know we have our battles. I know I've been a fucking idiot. I've done everything I could to steer it into the fucking fucking sun. But at the end of the day, I come home with a chocolate chip cookie. I, I do what I got to do, right? So, I, mean, I didn't even know how the fuck I... Where the hell was I? I was back at Staples. So I'm back at Staples and I'm looking at these things. So I... I and as always, they got like one person at the register and then one other poor bastard who's got to cover the whole fucking floor. So I walk up there and I'm like... Looking around, there's nobody to help me. All they have is the shit on the floor. I don't, there's no box I can grab. It's in the back. So I just walk up and I say to the lady at the register, because I see there's a guy with a two-wheeler helping somebody else with something heavy. And I set it over his shoulder. I was talking to the fucking lady behind the register. But he didn't realize that. I go, um, is there anybody who can help me uh, get a file cabinet? And without turning around, he goes, I will help you, sir. When I'm done helping this customer. <laughs> so. I immediately get it. The old me would have been like. Hey first of all I wasn't talking to you. And I understand that you can't do two things at once. Alright. But I didn't. I understood the whole fucking thing. This had nothing to do with him. It had nothing to do with me. I guess it had to do with me. Or I could have stepped more to the side. You know. Had more of a, uh, a straight on conversation with the register lady. But uh, I knew what was going on. This, what, this, this, had, this came from corporate. They were running as few fucking people as possible. This guy was having to do way too fucking much for what he was getting paid for. So that caused him to come at me the way he was coming at me. And I was coming at them the way I was coming at them because I couldn't get any fucking help. And in the end, 
the real cunts that created it are sitting on their Christmas yacht. So I let it go. I just laughed or whatever. And he came back and I made a joke about how, you know, he ought to have another five guys out there helping him, um, which relaxed the situation. So now here we are, the two of us, him having to cover way too much square footage, you know, like a five on three in hockey, except it's the Staples version of it. You know, maybe more like a five on two if that was possible. So and there I am standing there trying to pick out which file cabinet I want. Both of us minutes just just falling off of our lives. And he, I go, all right, so what's, I guess I need this one here. I, and I told him, I go, dude, I can't believe how depressing this is to buy this thing. And he just started laughing. And I go, all right, so these look the same. Why is this one $50 more? And he's like, all right, that's uh, so-and-so. They're known for making file cabinets. They make the file cabinets. And that's just the Staples version. So I go, all right. I start pounding the file cabinet, you know listening to the sound, hitting either one of them, you know, trying to figure out which one sounds more solid. Obviously, the guys that that's all they do, their sounds more solid. Staples is trying to undercut them, being such douchebags. They put theirs right next to it. They make it the exact same color for like 50 bucks less. Now, I should say, you know what? Fuck that file cabinet, people. I should just save myself 50 bucks, but that's not how I'm wired. I don't know why. I, I said, fuck those Staples cunts. Like the file cabinet people actually give a shit about me. I don't think they do, but they give a shit enough to make a fucking higher quality file cabinet. So I go with that one. And uh, I don't know. We wheel the fucking thing out. I'm sitting there going, can this fit in a Prius? I have a truck. I didn't realize I was going to buy this thing. I was hoping I was going to buy something else. And I realized somewhere between the fucking U2 song and the, and the fucking boy band that I had to buy a goddamn file cabinet. And we're laughing and we put the thing in the back of the car. I tried to tip him. He goes, no, 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 because this is what I do, right? The guy fucking won't even take the goddamn money. So he leaves and I'm driving this fucking thing home, you know, feeling like that dude in the end of the movie in Last American Virgin when this fucking chick... Cheats on him with the douche who knocked him up earlier and he's driving away in the purple fucking station wagon with the tear coming down his eye. That's what I feel like. So uh, I was like, how can I turn this shit around? So anyways, I get back to the house. The relatives are still fucking sleeping. I got the file cabinet in the back of the Prius. I'm an old man. I got a bad back, you know, but I got that German-Irish blood. I'm like, I'm all fucking doing myself. I'll put it over my head. I'll open the gate with my foot and I'll uh, slip another disc. And I was finally like, you know what? Fuck this. I'll wait till my cousin gets up. That's how they say it in Western Mass sometimes. My cousin. Um, I don't even know if it's Western Mass. I don't even know where the fuck I heard that in my travels. Uh, I just said, I'm just going to fucking leave it there. So I sit down and put on the TV and lo and behold, lo and fucking behold, what's on television as I put it on? My favorite goddamn show. All right, fast and loud, the Gas Monkey Garage guy. So I'm sitting there watching them and everything they got to customize it and all that type of shit. And you know what? I'm thinking about my stupid file cabinet, how fucking cool their lives are, their motorcycles and their awesome cars, and how they make everything look fucking cool. And I was like, you know what? Why don't I have somebody fucking paint this goddamn file cabinet? I live in Los Angeles, California, where hot rodding, hot rodding allegedly started. Oh, they do the best interiors out here. They do all these fucking great paint jobs. Why don't I get somebody? It's fucking soul-crushing Band-Aid light brown. 
It's even lighter than that. Throw a little bit of cream in there just for you lactose intolerant people to make everybody puke on this podcast. That's what it looks like. So here's my question for you. Does anybody know anybody in the Los Angeles area where I could bring a file cabinet over there and they could paint it a color that's going to that's gonna make me happy? And I don't, I don't even need, you know, I don't need some fucking design. Just put maybe the, just MM, MMP on the side of it. It's just something fucking cool so I can look at it. And, and not just like, I mean, just have my shoulders slumped down like, like that fucking quarterback for the Cowboys when he threw that last interception against the Eagles, man. Jesus Christ. Are the Cowboy fans paying enough for their five fucking Super Bowls? Good Lord. A buddy of mine texted me God's team before before the uh, before the game started, and uh, I don't know what you guys did to him. You know, were you, were you guys too arrogant after your last Super Bowl win? What did you do? Did you take out your ten gallon hat, take a shit in it, and fucking put it over a Steelers fan's head or something? I don't know what the fuck you did, but Jesus Christ! Um, I, I've, I've, you know. I, I was a Cowboys fan uh, right up till they fired Tom Landry and Texram left, and they fired Tom Landry, and it went from this stoic, <coughs> we do things the right way over here, to hee-haw. How about them Cowboys? Hey, wait! It just got too fucking cartoony for me. Um, even though I like all, I like everybody on that team, um, and I think I rooted for them in all the Super Bowls, didn't I? Played the Bills twice. Then they played the Steelers. Yeah, I had to root for them against the Steelers because I lost money. First fucking Super Bowl I bet was the 78 game. Arguably the greatest amass of talent ever when the Cowboys played the Steelers and lost to them. I lost 75 cents, which was a lot of fucking money to me in the fourth grade. It was, you know, that was a hot lunch back then. (laughs) So anyway, so here's the deal. If you guys know anybody out here that would do it, would take it on, if you know an up-and-coming painter or something like that, I have some ideas. I definitely have some ideas, you know, uh, of some shit I want done. And uh, it would probably be great if I could give you a fucking – just hit me up on Twitter or hit me up on Facebook. Just send me a message or something like that. Uh, I don't know. Turn this fucking thing into something I want to look at. I'll pay you top dollar. I don't give a fuck. Just, I have to have a file cabinet. All right? That's the end of, I don't know what else to do with all the papers I'm supposed to p- keep for these fucking goddamn people running shit. I just can't look at this fucking thing anymore. All right? I, I even left it in the box. Um, all right. What else? Oh, speaking of that, I'm fucking laying on the floor. Um bring this over here somebody sent me this uh well how far into the podcast are we 20 minutes in jesus christ bill 20 minutes you bitching about a file cabinet you fucking pussy all right let's uh let's let's get the reads out we only got two this week people two very special ones all right number one out of the gate dollar shave club all right for a couple of for a couple of bucks a month jeez right out of the gate that's like a false start let's do that again Dollar Shave Club, everyone. For a couple of bucks a month, uh, dollarshaveclub.com delivers amazing quality razors right to your door. Not only does it save you a ton of cash, it saves you from trudging your sorry ass down to the drugstore for a pack of blades. 
All right. I've talked to you this before. I always go there late at night. They'll have one person working on the floor. They're behind the register. I got to wait till they get through the line to go over and unlock the goddamn things like they're made out of gold. Um, you don't have to deal with that anymore because now with Dollar Shave Club for just a couple of bucks a month, amazing quality razor blades are delivered right to your door. That's right. That is correct. Thumbs up. No more wasting time and no more getting hit up for 20 bucks every time you buy razors. Everybody here is getting their Dollar Shave Club blades and you should too. And here's a genius idea. Try replacing your old shaving cream with Dr. Cavas Easy Shave Butter from dollarshaveclub.com. Trust me, your face will thank you later. Close. Oh, sorry, I wasn't supposed to read that. Here's the big close, everybody. Ba-da-da-boo. Uh, don't waste time at the drugstore behind the lady paying in pennies. Go to dollarshaveclub.com forward slash burr. Uh, or go to BillBird.com and click on the Dollar Shave Club banner. Keep your stress level low and your bank account balance high. Shave time, shave money. Go, go to DollarShaveClub.com forward slash Burr. I literally had to close one of my eyes to get through that without fucking it up anymore. Um, legal Zoom. Some things like starting a business or protecting your family with a will aren't like, yeah, geez, I just can't, I just, I went blank in the middle of that. There's too many words with W's. All right, start over again. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Legal Zoom. Some things, like starting a business or protecting your family with a will, aren't like your other's new, other New Year's resolutions. You can't afford to blow them off. <laughs> I can fucking suck at this. Fuck! All right, number three. Take three. On two. Ready? Break. Legal Zoom. Some things, like starting a business or protecting your family with a will, aren't like your other's... New Year. This is written so fucking difficult. Legal Zoom, everyone. Some things, like starting a business or protecting your family with a will, aren't like your other New Year's resolutions. Woo! You can't afford to blow them off. Instead of less snacking and more exercise, put them at the top of your list. Um, Legal Zoom helps you incorporate. Or form an LLC with their simple questionnaire starting at just $99. Over 1 million entrepreneurs have done it. And 90% of customers recommend LegalZoom to friends and family. You can also create a will starting at just 69 bucks, or even a living trust quickly and easily. Get peace of mind and protection. No surprise fees, no hassles, and no headaches. LegalZoom's step-by-step process was created by a team of experts in law and technology. LegalZoom is not a law firm, but you can but can connect you with a third-party attorney and provide you with self-help services. From wills to business formations, trademarks, powers of attorneys, and more, go to LegalZoom.com. For even more savings, type in Burr, B-U-R-R, into the referral box at the checkout. Don't put off things you need to do. Go to LegalZoom.com now and use discount code Burr, B-U-R-R. That's LegalZoom.com, discount code Burr. Jesus, it's fucking Greg Norman on that one. Um, on Sunday, all right, what am I talking about now? Uh, what did I do this weekend? Well, I did some sets around town, getting ready for my uh, bucket list show at the Wiltern Theater. And I got some new ones for you sons of bitches. Oh, do I got some new ones. I was out last night. I went down to the comedy store. And I got to run my set twice because they're awesome. They got like two, three shows going at all times down at the wonderful comedy store. And they put me up twice. And I had a great time. And um, 
I was doing that all weekend. I did take Saturday night off because I wanted to watch that UFC. UFC. Championship of the world. Um, UFC 168. Anderson Silva versus that other guy. I still don't know his name. I haven't even taken the time to learn his fucking name because I was so convinced that, you know, that he lost the first one just because he was fucking around. And uh, I, I should know the champ's name here. Let me look this up. Anderson Silva versus Chris Weidman. Hope I'm saying that right. Weidman, Weidman, I'm sorry. All right? I thought the writing was on the wall because uh, Matt the Terracera was in his camp, and I'm like, oh, man, that's like when he, he knocked out uh, George St. Pierre. And everyone was going, oh, George didn't fucking train, and yada, yada, yada. And then, then uh, Matt the Terracera was going, ah, let him eat, <laughs> let him drink wine or whatever. I thought it was hilarious, but he ended up coming back and beating him. Um, you know, I'm not trashing, obviously, Matt Sarah at all, but I'm just saying. So I just thought that maybe this was going to happen again because the first time they had the fight, like, I've watched Roy Jones Jr. like uh, make fun of people or clown them, as the youth says. I never seen it done at the level of that first fight. It was like fucking ridiculous. Um, and he ended up making a stupid face. <laughs> the guy punched him. And knocked him out. So it's like, all right, you know, he's coming in this time. And he's just, he's going to handle this business, right? As the youth says. How do I get all this fucking hip-hop shit in my, I don't even know, I don't even listen to this stuff. Um, so anyways, maybe because it's ruled the charts for 15 years, Bill, and, and it is mainstream. Maybe you heard it in Staples, you red cunt. Um, so anyway, so I, I get this fight because I want to see uh, the rematch to see if this Chris uh, Weedman or Weidman guy is for real. He crushes, it kills me that I don't know his fucking... And I'm not pronouncing his name correctly. Um, but anyways, I wanted to see that. And then also I wanted to watch that uh, that Ronda Rousey-Mishna uh, Tate fight. Because me and the lovely Nia were watching the UFC uh, Fight Club fucking show the whole season. And uh, I got to tell you, man, it was an unbelievable night. Unbelie- unbelievable night of fights. If you haven't ordered it yet, it's totally worth the money. And I had a bunch of people come over. And uh, we watched the fight. And uh, I'm not, there's no, all right, spoiler alert. If you, I don't know, if you're living under a fucking rock, you weren't paying attention. Uh, Anderson Silva fucking snapped his goddamn leg. The second time this year I've seen it, the kid on Louisville and now that is just, it was not, uh, it was not pretty. But I got to tell you that, that the other dude, Chris was, was, was winning the fight at that point. You know what I want to? I want to ask Joe Rogan. I got to call in his podcast because he said something during that fight that I thought was uh, really interesting. Where he said, "Once you get knocked out, you know you're never the same as far as your ability to, I guess, take a punch like that again." Like I, I don't, I didn't quite understand it because it's not like you lose brain fluid; it's still sitting in the same amount of fluid. But maybe you, you. I don't know what's going on. So I wanted to ask him about that because I found that really fascinating because I remember Roy Jones Jr., no one could ever touch him, and then he finally got knocked out. And after he got knocked out, it seemed easier with each time to knock him out. And people were trying to say, oh, you know, uh, the the, the air of invincibility is gone. And I didn't think that. I just – it seemed like there was something different about him. I don't know. I found that really interesting, so – Next time I run into him, I'm definitely going to ask him about it. I thought I had a lot to say about that <laughs> that UFC shit. I guess I didn't. 
I always just get blown away how fucking tough those guys are. You know? Like, I'll tell you one thing. That, that guy who came in, the guy, the lumberjack guy, who was really in bad shape for an ultimate fighter. I, I, we were sitting there watching it going, this guy has the fucking torso of, like, a regional manager. If he didn't have that, I will murder your whole family and then sit down and eat soup afterwards. Look on his face. One of the most terrifying looks I've ever seen. He came in like, not like I'm going to beat you. He's like, I'm going to, like I was, like he was going to kill the other guy. So they end up having their fight. And, uh, old fucking, uh, awful torso takes a knee to the head, drops to his legs, grabs the other guy's, drops to his knees, grabs the other guy's legs. And this guy reigns like, I don't know, four elbows. And he must have been using the perfect technique because when they showed it in slow motion, it was almost like this beginning of a breakdance move. It was very uh, uh, fluid the way he was doing it with, uh, with a little bit of flair. You know, it wasn't like he was just bringing it up like how a jerk off like me. Like, eh, eh, eh. It, was like it was like this aerodynamic. I don't know what he was doing. It looked fucking great. He should have had a little pinky out. It was like six of the classiest fucking elbows to the side of the head I've ever seen. And that was the end of that lumberjack and any murderous thoughts he ever had. Had? Why is my voice cracking? Um, I don't know. I always like seeing that. I love seeing when a guy goes into the octagon and I just see the look on his face and I feel whatever manhood I even possess just drain out of me. And just see the other guy just look across the ring like, ooh, that's a tough look you got there. We're gush, we're gush, we're gush. And then it's fucking over. You know, then you wish that you could do something like that, you know, maybe to some terrorist on a flight and then you land the plane and they want to give you the key to the city, but you don't show up because you're too fucking cool for it. Anybody else just go on those long fantasies like that? I do it. I do it all the time. You know what? I won't apologize for it. I like living in my own little world. Between my two years, I in my two ears, I am a hell of a fucking guy. I'm a war veteran. I'm a hero. I know how to fuck well. I'm good at math. It just, it's endless. Um, <laughs> anybody watch any of the NFL football yesterday? Um, I actually went on a hike yesterday. You know, like the half a twinkle toes I am. And uh, went with another buddy of mine just to make it even uh, more homoerotic. And uh, I don't know. I wasn't interested in any of the earlier fucking games. And plus, I've been eating like shit, you know, with the holiday food and everything. So I was like, I got to get out and at least try to walk around a little bit. So we decided we're going we're to go on this hike. And uh, we just kept extending it and extending it and extending it. And I knew I was going to pay the price for it. Long story short, we got fucking lost. We tried to cut down this one ridge, and it just ended up getting so fucking steep. Like, I was just like, if one of us falls... Um, I'm not saying we're, we're, we're going to die from the fall, but we're going to die from laying there for four days until coyotes finally find us and like, just pick us apart, you know, as we try, if we are just laying on our backs and, you know, making those noises you make as you're trying to fight off jackals with a stick, you know, um, I would stab myself with a stick personally. I'd always take the coward way up. Not gonna feel that wild animal's breath up against my earlobes. Just trying to get a better fucking lock on my neck. I don't. I don't need that. I don't need that. Um, oh, speaking of that, for some reason that made me feel think of Ronda Rousey. 
how she just fucking gradually got the armbar going there. Um, people flipped out when she didn't shake hands afterwards. They were booing the shit out of her. I thought it was a great fight. I'm all right if they don't shake hands afterwards. Hey, how about after you fucking break their arm, you show a little bit of class and shake the fucking arm that you didn't break? Who gives a fuck? You know, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I liked that she didn't shake the hands. Well, what does that, what does that teach the kids? What does that teach them? You know, when they're done punching their friend in the face and then fucking snapping their arm, if they don't get up and shake their fucking <laughs> quivering hand, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Oh, the lovely Nia, everybody. She was going, shush, shush, I have things to do. Look at you with your fancy shoes. That's it? Bye. You look great. Thank you. All right. Um, anyways, the fuck was I talking about? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I didn't have a problem that she didn't fucking uh, shake her hand. But I, I like both fighters, and I wish them well. Oh, look at me. Being a goddamn dipl- diplomat here. Um... Anyways, what the fuck was I just talking about? Oh, I was talking about uh, NFL football. Oh, no, the hike. That's right. So we ended up getting lost. Went 20 minutes in the wrong direction. So those of you who are halfway decent at math, that's a 40-minute fucking mistake. And uh, we were just laughing by the end. It ended up being a four-hour hike. My buddy's like one of these dudes who's like really into technology. So with every hike, he has something else, you know? I got an app on my phone that'll tell us how far we went. He starts with that, and then next I I got a uh, bracelet that's uh, measuring all the calories I'm burning. Give you some sort of indication. It's like, gives a fuck. He gives a fuck. He's into he's into that shit. So um, I think uh, the hike ended up being like 11 miles. We like walked half a marathon, and the running joke was I was going to be back in time for the one o'clock kickoff, one o'clock out here for the Pats game. And it, with every mistake we made, I just kept saying, like, am I going to have to have Nia tape the fucking game? We ran out of water. And, um, but, you know, we were near enough to civilization. There was other hikers there and that type of shit. But it was, uh, I don't know. All I know is I ate like shit when I came back and I still woke up today with a flatter stomach than I had yesterday. That is how far we hiked. And you know what, people? That's the end of my mediocre hiking story. We're taking callers. Does anybody else have a mediocre hiking fucking story? Um, all right, let's get to some questions for this week. Oh, I didn't talk about the Patriots game. Um, fucking great game. Could not finish him off. Um, should have lost the game if the Bills didn't. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. I actually tweeted... In the the, at the end of the third quarter, I actually tweeted, did the Bills bet the Patriots? And I got to tell you, the amount of people who thought who read that is, did the Bills beat the Patriots? And I got all these people, why don't you just look it up instead of tweeting about it, you dumb cunt? So I get I got to write back to a bunch of people going, bet, not beat. I didn't say anything mean. I didn't trash them at all. I just corrected them because I knew that that would hurt more. And you know me. You know me, from Twitters to fatties, I'm all about shaming because that's how I was brought up. Um, Patriots bills, everybody. Uh, I don't know what to say about the game other than it fucking rained. I'm happy that we won another unbelievably successful season for the Patriots. I think Tom Brady had his arguably his best season just considering what the fuck he was working with. I thought the defense rose to the occasion. 
But having said all of that, I will be surprised if we win more than one playoff game, and I won't be surprised if we're one and done just because, uh, well, the AFC is kind of weak, but I don't know. It's a, just it's different. It's different when it comes to January. So you probably got to be asking yourself, well, then who are you picking, Bill? Are you staying with the fucking dirty birds out there, the Seahawks? I guess dirty birds are the Falcons. Yeah, I think it's the Seahawks to lose. It's huge that they got the home field because for some reason, I don't know why, they don't quite play as well on the road, but they still ended up at, what, 13-3? and three? I definitely think it, that it's theirs to lose. Um, I don't know. I was in Europe for fucking three weeks, so I missed a lot of the football. I can't really even talk intelligently about who I think can beat them. You know? My buddy's saying the 49ers. That's always a good pick to pick a division rival because they know each other so well. Uh, but I definitely think it's theirs to lose. And it would be nice to see them finally win a Super Bowl and give their fans something to actually be loud about. You know, I know I've trashed a lot of the Seattle fans for that dumb record. But I, you know what? It, it just annoyed me that your owner fucked you so bad on those premium beers and you guys busted him for it. And then immediately he just gets back in your good graces by just stroking your fucking balls, taint, and asshole with this loudest fan's horseshit. How much money did he make off of that fucking beer fucking you guys over? As you sat there screaming your fucking heads off. You know, that's all it takes. A couple of trinkets, a little placard on the wall, and everybody goes. Actually, somebody said tonight that uh, last night I was talking to this other comic, and he was telling me how he likes the Pope. You know, I like the Pope. I like this guy. He said he's cool with atheists. You know, you don't mind if gay people get married, blah, blah, blah. It's like that's because they're hemorrhaging cash in the fucking West, in the Northern Hemisphere. It's a business. They're only adding people down in South America. But as far as up here, they're fucked. They're losing people day by day. So they have to adjust their message. The same way when BP was involved in that horrific oil spill, all of a sudden now their logo is painted in the color of grass and corn. Or sunlight. Hey, man, it's green. They care about the environment, man. That's 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 what the Seahawks owner did. He was doing that boss hog shit, and you guys caught him, or somebody caught him. I got to give you guys the link to that video. They had the thing, right? They had the tall beer, the premium fucking beer, the uh, cost more, and then they had the short, fat one. And somebody finally sucked down a short, fat one and then poured the tall one into the short, fat one. Is the exact same amount of ounces. They didn't have the decency to make it two ounces more so it kind of spilled over. And that would have ended it. They were so fucking cheap. I'm getting halfway through this and I'm forgetting if it actually was the Seahawks owner. But I'm, too, I'm in too deep now. I just got to go with the lie. Maybe it's the truth. That's what they did. So what does he do? He starts getting fucking former celebrities people from Top Gun to come up there and ring that bell to get the 12th man thing going. He just stroked your fucking balls and you bought into it. He's not your friend. All right. And I haven't said all that. I hope you guys win a championship because I like the Seahawks way back uh, when they had Jim Zorn and Steve Largent, David Craig, Kirk Warner. I like those teams. Um, I actually, I'm not being a douche here. I don't mind your new, they're one of the few teams that had a nice uniform and actually was sort of a lateral move. But I, I like the older ones, man. I like that silver helmet. I thought it was fucking cool. Um, all right, enough with my half-ass, half-ass fucking NFL talk. Uh, I am going to the Pro Bowl again this year, people. And this time I'm hoping I'm going to make it. 
um, last year I ended up getting some acting work, but it was, uh, was actually, Oh, I never told you guys this story. It's my, it was the final episode I got to do on uh, breaking bad and I won't ruin it cause I know people are watching the thing, but it's basically, it's a scene in the, well, you know what it is. Cause you'll watch the last half of the fifth episode and you'll see the last one I'm in that scene where I'm sitting in the car with those two other characters. Um, that was, I had a gig Saturday night. In Honolulu. Um, and then the next day, me and Jay Lawhead, Rose Bowl legend, and one of the uh, comedians on the show tomorrow night at the Wiltern, um, we did the show. And then the next day, we were going to go to the Pro Bowl. And uh, I don't know. There's a running joke in show business that if you want to book acting work, you know, book some sort of vacation. Book some sort of fun. Because if you're sitting there watching the phone like you will not work for 10 years. But if you go, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I don't know. I'm going to go on a fucking vacation. I don't know what money you'd go with if you weren't getting acting work, but whatever. You just plan something. Hey, me and my boys are going to go to this game. Immediately you're getting acting work. So it's kind of, it's kind of a good thing. But, uh, um, so anyways, I had the, I did the gig and then I literally had to fly back to LA the very next day. And then from LA, to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then we were the first one out of the gate. That's why I couldn't go to the game. I remember that. We shot that scene at like, uh, God, what was it? I think the call time was like five in the morning. Five in the morning. And I think we started shooting at six and we were done by like 6.30. Like that was the thing about when you did that show was that everybody was so goddamn good. Um, they just had the coverage. They had the dialogue. They just had it down. And uh, I don't know. They made you look great. So all I did was just make sure I always knew my lines. Know your fucking lines. Say what they wrote. Hit your mark. And they're going to make you look great. And uh, the other two guys were regulars. So they were and awesome. So they knew what the fuck they were doing. So we were in and out of there in like, in and out of there in like 30 minutes. Oh, back to back. Mediocre story. I'm fucking crushing it. Just slapping signals to the opposite field. Hitting for average here, people. Um, anyways, all right, so let's, let's go here. All right, let's, let's read some of the letters, some of the letters. How come there's not a New Year's song? I feel like singing this week and then all there is, is that awful one, that awful fucking one. What is that? How's it? Hey, he's a jolly good fellow, right? Isn't that how it goes? Should old acquaintance be forgotten, never brought to mind? I never understood what that meant. I don't know what old anxiety means. It's just a sad fucking uh, grapes of wrath kind of shit. I just, you know, I just feel like I'm in the dust bowl when I sing that fucking song. It's just, it's not a happy song. Oh, Jesus, Bill. Jesus Christ, who pissed in your Cheerios? Um, all right, newsletter. Hey, Bill, do you have a newsletter to let me know when you'll be live in the South again? Um, I announce them on this podcast, and I, I announce it uh, via Twitter and Facebook or whatever. That's basically how I do it. Speaking of which, um, we have almost got all the dates for the Canadian tour lined up. And I'll let you know, I'm going to some fucking places that uh, I never thought I'd go. So it's not just the hockey cities. I'm also going to other ones just to get your Canadian hopes up that you're not going to have to drive over to another province. Um, 
I probably shouldn't have done that, but uh, there's definitely some uh, some pretty fucking. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun, and I'm bringing my hockey stuff up there. I'm gonna figure out where there's a pond hockey game or someplace where I can play, and I want to go up there and get embarrassed. I want you people up there in Canada to show me once and for all that it is in fact your game. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna figure out that. I want to do that, and I want to get drunk and, and and do some curling. And I, I, I feel like my time up there will be uh, complete. Okay? I want to do that, and I want you to help me do that. So next week, within the week, I'm going to announce the dates for the Canadian tour. And um, or at least the cities. And then, I don't know. The reason why I don't do it is because then people go, is there a link? And then there's not a link. Well, when is there going to be a link? I just like to fucking put it out there when I have all the information. Like, hey, I'm coming to Canada. I can tell you this. It is going to be in March. All right. There you go. All right. There we go. Okay. Friends cheating wife. Hey there, Billy Badass. Uh, longtime fan. Love your comedy. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm currently in the Air Force, and one of my coworkers' wife is a total slut. Now, wait a minute. Let's see what she's done here. My wife and his wife friends. Oh, wait. My wife and his wife's friend are friends, so she shares a lot of details with her. She's sleeping with numerous guys on base and a couple of guys in our work section. Oh, no. And she's telling your wife about it? Well, she wants to get caught. Uh, The messed up thing is that he knows all the guys that she's messing around with. In the past, my coworker was a real dog but has cleaned up his act since getting married. He did all his dirt before marriage. Oh, before marriage. But she sees this as a payback. Oh. Oh, well, what the fuck? then they never should have gotten married. I mean, I'm not going to judge anybody in the story, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go I. I was a piece of shit, you know? But they, they shouldn't have got married. He did all his dirt before marriage, but sees this as payback and even told my wife that she only married him for the benefits. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? This thing was, uh, this was built in sand with some toxic waste in it. It's so crazy that one of the married guys she's sleeping with sat at the the same table with us during our annual Christmas party. That's not the bad part. They have two children together. Every time we deploy for six months, she brings the guys to their house. Wow. Dragging the kids into it. All right. She went Jordan on that. She just took the fucking... She, she changed the game there. I'm leaving this base soon, and I feel that I should say something. If not directly, maybe indirectly, to help him figure it out himself. What do you, th- what do you think? Maybe you think? Maybe you think about making a s- stop in Guam. Oh, you went the other way. Okay. Uh, I'll be there for the next three months, and I know that you'd kill with the military community. Dude, I'd fucking go to Guam. Isn't that from the Spanish-American War there? Um, Ah, Jesus Christ. So obviously he was fucking around before they got married. And now, oh, now he's stopped. This is a a friend of yours? Uh, I'm currently Air Force and it's my co-worker's wife. So he's a coworker. All right. 
Well, listen, I think this is up to you. If you want to get involved in this thing, um, I don't know. How about an anonymous letter? Nah, don't do that because then he's trying to think who knows and who doesn't know. I don't know, dude. I don't know how to cross that one. I don't know how to cross that one. Um, tell him? I don't but look, you know what? It's hard to have sympathy for them. I mean, you can't sit there and uh, do that to somebody and think they're not going to do it back to you. I've learned all the lessons in this fucking story in my horrific fucking single life. So, uh, I, you know, so, all right, how do I tell this one? I knew a guy. I know a bloke who knows a bloke who knows a bloke that, uh, how do I say this? He was going to get married to this girl and he knew that she was fucking around on him. And he went and told the dude and the dude didn't believe him and then got mad at him and then stopped being friends with him. And then he went on and had two kids and she continued to fuck around. And 10 years later, he's paying alimony and child support. So, um, it all depends on your peace of mind. I mean, this guy isn't a friend of yours. What the fuck? Just say like, look, dude, we're not friends. I'm leaving. I, I don't have a dog in this fight. I just feel like you should know. I guess that that's what I would do. Um, you should do it. You should do it for the fucking kids. Good Lord. Good Lord. Good Lord. Those kids are going to be fucked up. They're already fucked up. It's over. It's over. Jesus Christ. If they were dogs, they'd put them all down in the street. They're all, they all got rabies at this point. Terrible, terrible, terrible things. Terrible things are done. Jesus Christ. That was a horrible fucking story. Uh, Burstock. Whatever that means. Bergenstock? Um, Longtime Billy Freedom Trail. Longtime fan. I was wondering to myself the other day, how much longer until we get a Bill Burr event? Some type of festival. An event where you're the ringmaster and master of ceremonies. You could host pie-eating contests. I'd make the fucking pies. Uh, Judge a beauty pageant. Actually, a pie-eating contest, they don't really make good pies, do they? They just sort of bullshit. You just eat out the filling. Uh, judge a beauty pageant and cut a ribbon with a novelty-sized pair of scissors. Dude, if I could judge a pig, too, I would do this. You set it up, I'll do it. Vendors will sell turkey legs, cotton candy, and fried dough. Babies will get their faces painted. Uh, And while you're not hosting an event, you'll be walking around the grounds in a seersucker soup. Dude, I'm fucking in. You'll probably say something about not many people coming out for it. That's not true. A few thousand people would come out. Uh, Liz Walker will cover it on the six o'clock news and the following year, there'll be 10,000 people will fly in from lots of places. If they get enough notice, don't bother explaining why this is a bad idea. Every one of your listeners is adding up their vacation days. Dude, this is fucking, you know what? I don't know if I want to host it, but I want to go to it. I want to go there with his, I want to go to something with his fucking a prize pig. That's what people are fighting for. I would do that in a second, sir. You set it up. You set it up and I would change it. I would bring in, uh, what else would I have? You need some sort of music. You know, I bring more in like street performers. I know a couple of them from back in the day in my, uh, when I was living in New York. There was a couple of guys that I knew that were fucking great. I actually did a comedy show and I had one of them come down and perform. And uh, he crushed it. 
I'd add that element to it. So what you do is, this is what you do. You have little backwoods shit going on. You do it in the backwoods, so all the backwoods people show up. But then, you know, what about the people who live in the backwoods, and they're, but they're into shit beyond the backwoods? That's when you bring in the street performers from New York, right? So people think that even though it's down home, it's also a little dope, as the, the kids used to say that are now older than me. Um, I would do something like that. I, any of that shit that's considered fucking... Uh, I don't know what it's considered. It's looked down upon by a lot of people out here in Hollywood, you know, who think that, you know, those that's old flyover state stuff and that they're a cut above because they write jokes for four camera shoot sitcoms um, with wacky next door neighbors. Um, I like all that shit. Yeah. Do it. Set it up. You get the ball rolling. I'll fucking do it. Throw in some fucking some sort of car show, a prize pig. Right. There's got to be some sort of blue ribbon one for a farm animal. I already know there's like a zillion of these things. Just tell me where to go. I, w- I want to go to one of these things. Do I get to shoot a fucking gun? Hey, by the way, I just saw um, somebody recommended this last night. I just watched uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite. Bobcat Goldthwaite. Can't even talk today. Yeah, I made this movie called God Bless America. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's a dark comedy. Uh, it's on Netflix. Check it out. I'm still working my way through the first season of The Killing. I'm just giving these people all free fucking, uh, what do you call it? Shout-outs here. You know why I do this? Because then you guys go, oh, well, you should check this out. You should check this out. Um, you know, I actually somebody told me a book I should order, and I ordered the fucking thing, and it never, it never showed up. I order shit, and it doesn't show up. I, I think I don't hit the uh, complete the deal button. But what? Do you, there's no store to go to. It's fucking genius. I don't even know. Where is Amazon.com based out of? Where is that store? Does that information exist? Where are they in Dubai? There's no taxes. Everything's free. This is wonderful. Oprah, turn your fucking head to the left and see the tent city on the horizon. All right. Yeah, I would do that. I would do that. I would go to a rodeo. I'd do any of that shit. All right. Girlfriend hates you. Well, she should. Uh, dear, dear Burbank, read slowly, buddy. I know you can do it. <laughs> he wrote it in all capital letters, too. Ah, you ball-busting cunt. That was a funny one. It's not 201, is it? Holy shit. Where did the day go? Um, all right. I travel all over the country, as you do, except I don't do it to make people laugh. I do it so my cunt boss can make money. Anyway, lately I've, lately, I've been listening to your podcast in my truck, and my girlfriend can't stand it. She literally hates your guts simply because you curse. What the fuck? Uh, we end up making deals where we listen to 10 minutes of bullshit Beyonce, then 10 minutes of your podcast. God damn it. I try to tell her that your podcast make my day and that you are hilarious and generally a good guy, but she totally disagrees. Can you tell her a few things that you do that are nice uh, besides the fact that you make people laugh for a living, which should be enough? No, it shouldn't because I get paid for that. Uh, like charity work, going to the Make-A-Wish Foundation or whatever the fuck. Let her know you aren't a cunt even though you are. Much love from your Canadian friend. Ole, 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 he wrote. Um, oh, first of all, Sir, I don't need your girlfriend's approval. I don't give a shit 
what she thinks about me. Reach for her wrist. Make sure she doesn't shut this off. Okay? Hey, lady, look what you're doing to the man in your life right now. You're making him so fucking miserable. He enjoys this podcast. He likes that I fucking curse. He likes it. Can he just have that? What's worse, in all honesty? The horse shit that I do on this thing or listen to somebody say, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. You know? At least I take the piss out of myself for every podcast. I don't walk around like some arrogant ass talking about how fucking great I am and all the shit I have. Does she do that? I don't even know if she does it. I don't, I don't listen to her stuff. Um, you know? At least I fucking... I go in one direction. I don't come up with something that's funny and then or whatever interesting and then say it fifty times in a fucking row, do I? If you like it, you better put a ring on it. If you like it, you better put a ring on it. Twenty minutes fucking later. If you like it, you better put a ring on it. Or else what? You're gonna go suck another dick if I don't give you something shiny like this? Give me something shiny right now, or I'm gonna go blow somebody else. Hey, lady, start walking. Go do that little mime walk like you're going down a fucking escalator right down to the dude's dick next to you. I don't give a shit. Like this country, I don't respond to threats. Okay? Actually, we do. But not terrorist threats. (laughs) I don't respond to that. Okay? Listen, first of all, if I sat here and listed, you don't do nice shit to tell people you're doing nice shit. Okay? Isn't that in the Bible? Heathens pray in public. Ooh, look how holy we are. Look what the fuck we're doing. If your lady thinks all I do is bad shit, I don't give a fuck, okay? Good Lord. What kind of world are you living in? You're driving a truck and you listen to Beyonce. Oh, my God. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I can't watch performers who don't seem like at any point. Like they, they have this look on their fucking face that they're just they, – they can't even believe how fucking amazing they are. At that point in the crowd, I'm just like, well, you don't need me. You, you, look, you know, that's like when these fucking people, like they, they score touchdowns or they, they – these athletes, right? They fucking dunk balls. They do this shit and they start thumping their fucking chest. I can't match that energy. You know? Pau Gasol dunking a ball or whatever, does a layup and then goes, oh! <laughs> like you're in 300. You know, I'm not disrespecting their level of athleticism, but you put a ball through a fucking hoop. Jesus Christ. Punching your own chest. Douche chills. All right. A lot of that, that, that type of shit I can't get into. You know, like Jay-Z, I really enjoy Jay-Z, but at some point you're like, I get it. You have a lot of stuff. Your life is amazing. I could never hope to have a life as amazing as yours because you are that amazing. Please, by all means, tell me about your next big purchase. Um, yeah, so dude, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck whether your, 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 your woman likes me or not. Um, if your woman's listening right now, you're a selfish douche. Okay. Does he sit there going off on Beyonce? Maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe the two of you just need to have a little more respect for, uh, your, your playlists. Okay. 
they do make headphones. Why don't you put the fucking headphones on and listen to Beyonce while he's driving the truck? He can't have headphones on. That's illegal. And then you could listen to her, you know, making uh, financial deals for her vaginal area. Um, New Year's, everybody. Here we go. Dear Billy Baldrop. (laughs) I'm not going to ask you what you're doing on New Year's because I already know. You and your Rose Bowl crew will be tap dancing at the Wilton over there. Uh, I'm going to be there with a girl I'm 50% into. Okay, well, then that affects uh, what you should be buying her that night. He goes, she's cool, she's hot, and I don't have any major complaints about her. I'm also not in love with her and really can't see anything beyond hooking up. My plan is to laugh my ass off and see what happens. All right, if we hook up, that's great. If not, no big deal. Dude, you're in the zone. You're in the zone. This is some Damone shit. You don't care if she comes, stays, lays, or prays. Now you got the attitude. Um, I don't. I told two friends, and they both advised against hooking up with her. All right. Well, I don't know your friends, and I don't know what their motive is. Let's see if you explain this here. He goes, I would never let that decide whether or not I would. But the interesting thing is that they both said, independent of each other, that hooking up with a girl on New Year's Eve might give her the wrong impression and that she's going to be a leech afterwards. Oh, that's fucking, that's just fear-mongering. That's bullshit. What, because you finger her as the ball drops, all of a sudden you have a relationship? Yeah, I had a good time, had some laughs. So, like, you don't want to go to the farmer's market? No, I don't. Do you have something against farmer's markets? Not really. Well, then why don't you want to go? Because, you know, I, I don't feel like going with you. I don't feel like a spark. You're a fucking asshole. For what? Being honest? Well, fuck you. And there it is. It's the end of the relationship. Anyways, he goes, I can't even fathom why New Year's Eve would be be considered a special occasion that would lead to her thinking that. This whole topic is ridiculous, and I can't even stand to waste time talking about it, but I wanted to hear your opinion. I think I just gave it to you. My question to you is, do you agree with that? And also, do you think there are any days on the calendar that would make a girl think you were into her? Well, yeah, if you took her out on Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's about it. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, that, that would be it. What else? What other day? St. Patrick's Day? You know, you're sitting there eating a fucking meat pie next to her, hammered out of your mind with a green plastic hat on. I think he really likes me. Um, the key, and if I could, if I could do my single life over again, is I would have been way less fearful, to be honest. You know, when relationships were starting, you know, uh, women are not as psycho as you think. I mean, a lot of times when you say that women are psycho, it's because you are being deceptive. And, uh, yeah, then they go fucking psycho. Yeah, they definitely do. But you, a lot of times, create it. If you just tell them straight up front, and they're like, so what is this? And just be like, look, I'm not looking to get in a relationship right now. Or like, listen, I enjoy your company, but I'm not feeling like this spark, like there's something to that next level. I just feel like you should know that. And you'd be surprised at how well they take that. You know, they, it's not that always, you know, if you say that the second you feel it, It's usually pretty early on, so there's no really deep feelings, and that's all. People just don't want to get hurt, okay? Believe me, I hurt a lot of fucking people. 
believe me. And um, so that's what I learned. I remember, one, um, Jesus Christ, years ago, when I was just a lad living in New York, I remember uh, I hooked up with this this woman, and she was just like, you know, so what is this? Where's this going? And I was just like, uh, nowhere. I'm like fucking. I was like 35. She was 23. I'm like, I'm like 12 years older than you. You know, by the time you turn 30, I'm going to be like 60. Where do you think it's going? And she actually laughed. And I was just like, you know. She goes, so what are we doing? We're just hanging out, having fun. So whatever crazy thing you want to try, but you don't want to do it with your husband, do it with me. (laughs) And that was it. And she was just like, all right, cool. We had fun for a few weeks, and then that was fucking it, and nobody got hurt. And, uh, you know, lost touch with her, and that was it. No harm, no foul. Had a great fucking time. So there's no, like, but look, you take them out on Valentine's Day, and you get them a rose and all of that shit, you start leading them on. So what you're really talking to, I feel, is you're talking to two younger guys like me, probably, at that, uh, like me, like how I was, I mean. How am I trying to say this? You're talking to two guys who at their age right now, I, I, their skill level was what my skill level was. Where they, they don't know how to set it up. So they're sitting there going, oh, don't do this. Don't bring them out on this day because that makes them think this. Um, all that says to me is that they don't know how to communicate what's going on. So they feel like they – and they're also in that thing where they feel like they have to fucking throw their jacket over a mud puddle and let them walk on it in order to get fucked that night, which you don't. You just have to be honest because women enjoy sex too. And they also enjoy you telling them what the fucking deal is. All right? So there you go. So you don't have anything to worry about. Just don't give her a card saying, I love you. How many kids do you want? I want to meet your parents. Just don't do that shit. Um, Feeling like you have to say that shit to them. All right, you know what? Just you know, look. The fact that you 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 know that those guys are full of shit. I don't need to keep going on with this. And it's already past fucking two o'clock here, so I got to get this podcast uploaded. Um, that's the podcast for this week. Happy New Year, everybody! Once again, thank you so much to everyone who came out to my shows this year. It really was um, the best year of stand up I had. I had the most fun on stage. I got to go to the most places, perform to the all kinds of people. It was absolutely phenomenal year for me, and uh, can't do it without you guys showing up. And thanks to you to everybody who writes into the podcast, listens to it, and all that. All right? Giving thanks like it's Thanksgiving, but it's fucking New Year's. All right? So get out there. Pace your drinking. Pick your target early. Close in. Make her laugh. Okay? (laughs) Take it down before 10 o'clock. There you go. Happy New Year. Go fuck yourselves. I'll talk to you next year.